This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated. A no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. Well, guys, we have, uh, we've made it to the end of the week. I remember on Monday, I was a little bit kind of wondering if we could do this whole five-day week thing, but here we are. We've made it being a little bit premature. We haven't made it through yet. We still have three hours to go. There's still plenty of time to screw this whole thing up. But it is great to be with you. The sun is shining today in a way that it was not yesterday. Got a little cold cold front blowing through. Definitely feels like winter once again across our lovely state. And I got a big sports weekend coming up with uh, SEC basketball. I love NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Yes, sir. Love when they added another round into the into the playoffs. Christmas in January. Well, that's kind of right, yeah, because I love NFL playoffs. Uh, I love the regular season. The playoffs are a whole different story. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Get to watch uh, some SEC basketball tomorrow. For and, birthday uh, weekend. Three days. And, well, I why forgot you, about that. Yeah, don't Ooh. forget, everybody. It's also his birthday this weekend. You uh, Happy well, birthday. Say, how could you bring that thing up? Because I brought it up like a week ago. You know, I didn't do the whole glow of the week before and the week after. We can still celebrate the week after next week if you want to, guys. It's fine by you me. You were glowing in that shirt yesterday when we left the studio. I don't know what you you're talking so? I saw it. I think that might have just been indigestion uh, <laughs> that you saw. I don't know if it was really like happiness of turning 46. That soup didn't work out for you? No, it worked out I, I, great. I thought it was good. It really did. It actually <laughs> did work out great. So much so that the kids asked to have it uh, to uh, have it again. And they, they took some back to their mom's house. So I'm pretty proud of that. Made myself wow. some chicken soup for the birthday. That's right. Uh, well, I, I got to say, I'm not worried about turning another year older tomorrow. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't sweat the whole turning another year older thing too much. If you remember what I talked about 13 or 14 days ago on New Year's Eve, the uh, turning of the calendar thing doesn't really do too much for me. Ask me that again if I feel the same way in four years when I turn 50. That could, I might feel a little it's bit just another opportunity. Just it's the next man up, Phil. You know, when somebody goes down, you, you're turning fifty. It's just an opportunity to be awesome at fifty. You, I mean, you, you're killing it. I hope I'm. I hope I do not go down on when I turn fifty. And um, you saw Lisa Marie Presley passed away yesterday, mm. fifty-four years old. I did not realize that I was on, that I was uh, close enough to her age. Oh, the only. Uh, the only uh, son or daughter of the king uh, died yesterday, so that that really came across as a as a shock. Fifty four is not old at all. Forty six is practically a baby. Uh, all right, uh, is it a must win game tomorrow against Vanderbilt? One o'clock in the afternoon. We've got it right here on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. Twelve thirty airtime for the pregame. Uh, Ty and Derek Ruskin are on Hog Reaction, so we'll have you covered from before tip until way after tip-off, and it does feel uh, it does feel like a must-win. I hate to put that on a road game, 
but man, I mean, you re- uh, you gotta you gotta find a way. You've been one in three, right? You've been one in three in the league the last couple of years. Pretty sure they were not one in four. Uh, not to say you can't turn things around five games in, but I'd like to see, you know. And I don't care how you get it done. I don't care. I don't care how many points Arkansas scores in this game. I don't care how many threes they make. I don't care how many turnovers. I just want to see them score at least one more point than Vanderbilt because an ugly win, you can walk out of any building feeling good about scoring more points than your opponent. Unless you put money on the game and you didn't score the you know enough points, I don't think you got to worry about that for anybody on the court tomorrow. But it does feel like um, it does feel like a must win because Vandy not really a good team though I think they can score a little bit. They have in the SEC uh, and there's a lot of time left after this basketball game. I just want to see the bleeding stop here because I don't think going into Mizzou is going to be an easy thing next week either. So for me tomorrow against Vanderbilt, it it does feel like a must win. Well, you're you're ta- you're playing a team that you're better than uh, any neutral site, home court, or away. We should beat this team nine times out of ten. Uh, I think you're going to get a big old chicken chicken noodle soup of zone defense. Man, it's just going to be zone defense all day. We're more athletic. I mean- I think you're right. You know it's what? Different I'm, with like with Alabama had the kind of athlete they can man up against Arkansas, and that proved to be the the right move. Vanderbilt a different story. I agree with you. They'll they'll probably zone you. They're they're going to zone it. We're going to have to make some shots, I think, because they're going to pack it in. Uh, I, I'd like to see Jalen Graham continue what he did. Let's 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 go on that. Build on that. I think the the way the season's worked out with with the injuries that. Uh, we're we're looking for some people to score. I, and and look, I'm a Ricky Council uh, the fourth. I'm I'm a the biggest fan you'll you'll find of his. It just I don't know if he if he's something's wrong a little bit. Like he's just not vibing the last couple games like he was in the non conference. So hopefully he can get his mojo back. This could be a game for Pinion to play. They're not going to be as athletic. I think they're going to be more similar to the Missouri style. Pinion can get in there in that zone. Don't just go stand in the corner. And The easiest way to play defense is if you go stand in the corner, I know where you are the entire time. I can make sure you're guarded. So you got you got to continue to move. But big game for some guys to step up, and uh, you're right. I, I think we should, we're going to be more athletic, and, and we're going to have to hit some outside shots. I mean, there's a difference between must win for – um, I think a uh, an anxious fan base uh, that uh, still believes that this is a team that can that can do some damage if you really get things going, and uh, you know whether or not Nick Smith does come and return to this team, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. So right now, it's a matter of play with who you got, and if Nick rejoins the team, hopefully they're in a position where he feels like he can, uh, you know, where he can contribute to an NCAA tournament run. But you don't have him for the rest of the month. You got to find ways to win basketball games without him. And um, I'm interested in seeing where the minutes come from because against Alabama, you had this. Uh, you know, they they they've they've got the height. They've got that that ridiculously good front court, athletic, and, yeah, and athletic at the same time. And there's a difference in what you've got with this Vanderbilt team. Like they've got a little bit of size. They got the seven footer Robbins in the middle. He's a tremendous shot blocker. Uh, and he can score, and they've got another six foot ten guy that'll that uh, that'll get some uh, some big minutes too. But I don't think they're the same athleticism, and I don't think that they have the same uh, like they have those two guys. Alabama had like three or four with some size on that front court. <clears throat> so I mean, so you started Mikel Mitchell against Alabama because of that front court. I think Mikel, I mean, he would he would he works for for a club. I think that. 
might need to find a way to grind it out in, in some ball games. Uh, he's he's I think he's limited offensively, but I think he adds some bulk, some gur, you know what I mean? A little rebounding, a little toughness, a little some grit. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Um, in, in a way that I'm not sure if, if Jalen Graham does like I, I view Graham much more as a I mean, a little bit of a one dimensional. They player. play the same position, but they're totally different players. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it would be one of those things that would like if you could meld those two guys together. And then you'd have Trey on Brazil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'd have who we, yeah, no, and I know what you mean. They, they, he's uh, he's more of a M- Mitchell's more of a Charles Oakley type. You know, like he's going to get in there and rebound, be nasty. Uh, Jalen Graham's uh, more of your Euro big that, that wants to be finesse and and has a little nasty in him and knows how to score. But he he's not as physical as the Mitchell twins. Either one of them. Well, for a team that's struggling to put the ball in the hoop, and from what you saw from Graham against Alabama. I guess I'd be surprised if if he doesn't get the starting nod. And for Pinion too, like yeah, it looked like he was out of place going up against Alabama. He didn't look like he was out of place against Missouri. And I view, I think Missouri is a better team than Vanderbilt, but they're a little bit in more like the same boat as mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. You know, just not as athletic. Certainly not as athletic as most of the players on the Razorbacks are. And I think Pinion make a difference in this ball club too. So it it'll be interesting to see where the minutes come from. Uh, and I just want to see them score more points in the again. I don't care how you do it. I do not care how you do it. If this final score is like seven to five and the most unwatchable game in the history of the sport, you just need something to 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 regenerate some of that positive forward momentum that you had coming into the conference season and which has been totally slowed down. And look, I mean, there's something to be said about doing that in front of your home crowd. Arkansas at times had the crowd going against Alabama, but never really could get on that run that you need. But one thing that can galvanize a team is just going on the road and getting a win. I mean, a road win has a real... uh, the word was the word is galvanizing. It kind of brings a team together. You know Unifies, I mean? everybody's, yeah. everybody's in the same place. You're riding the same bus. You're on the same plane. You're in the same hotels. You're eating your meals together in the in the uh, you know whatever conference room they've got figured out in Nashville, whatever hotel they're staying. And and there is that us against the world mentality. Even if you might have, and they will, because Nashville is not that far from from uh, from Arkansas. There are going to be some Arkansas fans yeah. in that building yeah. tomorrow. But nothing feels better, I think, than when I've been around some of these teams the last few years and you go into an opponent's building and they're loud or at their ballpark and they're, they're going crazy and you shut them up and you leave town and you fly. Once you take off, you look down, and you're like, yep, we'll see you next time, everybody. And you kind of like the team feels really good about themselves at that point. I don't think this team has lost like confidence in their ability to play the game. I think it's a matter of they just need to see it all come together in an, in one game again, like it did against Missouri. But you couldn't you couldn't get any momentum from that. Two road games coming up in the next two games. This is really an opportunity for a uh, for a coming together of this of this ball club. And you know, you get one one road win out of these next two would be huge. You, and that's Vanderbilt. They they won their home game and they've lost their two road games. Uh, and, and they beat a South Carolina team, but. The, the Vanderbilt's a middle of the pack. I don't. I don't have Vanderbilt going to the NCAA tournament. So the teams like that, I know it's a conference game and it's a road game. And, and I think you're right, Phil. For a young team, I don't care where it is right now. As long if we go somewhere and win on their home court, it should give them some confidence going forward. Yeah, 
I'm just going to get a quick look at Vanderbilt's net ranking because sometimes that does, you know, pay some uh, matters. 107 is their net ranking, so that's so it's a uh, it's one of the worst in the SEC. Um, they're not a but, good team. They're not very good. Like we should beat them. That's that's just if we're anything, and and we think we're a tournament team without our best player, we should still beat this team. Well. I tell you, I tell you one thing that, that that is very interesting for this weekend in the SEC, and I don't know if they can view it in these terms. Like Arkansas needs a win, no doubt. Kentucky needs a win too. They're at Tennessee, and that could very well be an ugly ball game. You'll have a chance to get your eyes on that at eleven o'clock in the morning on ESPN. If you like to watch a dismantling of your least favorite basketball program, <laughs> you'll have a chance to see it tomorrow. Uh, on ESPN two hours before tip-off of Arkansas and Vanderbilt. So that, uh, hey, a loss for Kentucky and a win for the Razorbacks on the road. Hey, may as well just call it a fabulous weekend no matter what else happens. So here's what's on halftime on this Friday as we take you into your weekend. Uh, just one guest today, and he's coming up in just a moment. It's Aaron Torres. We've got lots to get to today with a big weekend of sports. And, of course, we'll uh, get to a little Arkansas baseball I know that the AAA parks are now going to be utilizing an automated ball strike zone system. I will uh, have some thoughts on that. We've got uh, thoughts on Arkansas football. Have they replaced all the defensive playmakers that they lost in the transfer portal and to the NFL draft? Going to look around the SEC at the quarterbacks and where K.J. Jefferson ranks. And do you believe that Nick Smith will actually be playing for Arkansas because his father apparently said something to a radio station in Little Rock, but I'm, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Aaron Torres will join us next on Halftime, so stay with us. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code believe to receive your rewards that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game starts all of a sudden i feel like i want some caramel dipped in milk chocolate something about that song you know makes me want milk duds i don't know what it is thanks for playing the milk dud song maddie hey we've got aaron torres with us from the aaron torres sports podcast and fox sports radio uh at i uh I got to say, like I saw your Instagram video recently about the end of the Calipari era at Kentucky. Where were you when the uh, when it all ended, when they lost to 20-point underdog South Carolina? And now this report coming out that I saw in The Athletic uh, from uh, Kyle Tucker about this beef between Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director, and Calipari. And my gosh, I mean, it sounds like they're setting the whole athletic department on fire in some ways. It's craziness over there. You um, first of all, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm going to actually flip it right back on you guys. I have been told, and I was told this well before yesterday, that they are essentially not on speaking terms. In other words, 
really it's intermediaries that do the speaking on behalf of others. Do, have they never said a word to each other in five years? Like, I don't know about that. But that in general, they essentially have, you could barely call it a working relationship at this point. Let me ask you this. Have you ever even heard of that? Like, and I'm not asking you to, to, to pull back the curtain on Hunter Juracek and Sam Pittman and whoever, but have you guys, being around college athletics the way that you are, have you ever heard of a scenario where a super high-profile coach and the AD who is obviously employing him basically do not speak to each other? What was that, Nolan? Was that the last one where they kind of had a little? That was what twenty something years ago here at Arkansas, where they had a little beef going on, and it don't ever, it doesn't ever work out good. And and it kind of went with when yeah. when we saw the thing with the player coach, a player snapping back at a coach. You know who wins that every time? The coach wins it every time. So whenever that happens, whatever the relationship is, it it, it never really turns out that well. Well, and it's really interesting you say you use that analogy, Matt, because one, it obviously didn't work out well. And two, that's maybe a great example of it's hard to really find, you know, legendary coaches that coach until the end, especially in basketball, because basketball, I hate to say it, but the bar is much lower than football, right? Football, you know, there, there's a lot of places you got to win at a really high level to keep your job. Anyway, I I bring it up because I think the the Nolan Richardson one might be a great example of a place where it did turn sour. I I don't remember this stuff probably as well as you guys do and certainly as well as the audience would, but I know it was bad and it was basically, um, you know, toxic at the end, right? So that's probably actually the best example. I was trying to think of an example. How did Bobby Knight leave? When when Bobby Knight left Indiana, was that kind of like that too? Well, Bobby Knight, that was different. <laughs> I mean, he slashed a player on the neck, yeah. and then he basically choked a student. Like, the crazy thing about Bobby Knight was people think it was the video of him, you know, grabbing the player by the neck that got him fired. No, he was put on a zero-tolerance policy after that video mm. and broke the zero-tolerance in, like, a one-month span. So, you know, that's different than just not winning. And the closest one that I could think of was maybe sort of Bobby Bowden and even Bobby Bowden, whatever. He was in his late 70s at that point, whatever. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make, Nolan Richardson is probably a great example of it's relatively unprecedented where, you know, you look at the way Coach K went out, the way Roy Williams went out, the way Jay Wright went out, where, you know, if they wanted to keep going, the school would have been very happy to have them. And that just does not feel like the situation in Kentucky right now. The Bobby Knight thing <clears throat> felt like it was uh, the school president that took precedence in that case. And the situation with Nolan, I feel, is a lot different than, than this deal with Barnhart and with Calipari. Because from what I read, man, it almost sounds like Barnhart is taking an active role in holding the basketball program back. I mean, mm. Cal's raised $30 million to upgrade their practice facility. He won't let them use it. He doesn't let them uh, have the same amount of staff members that other SEC teams have, you know, the support staff. And look, I'm not like, <clears throat> I'm not like, oh, poor Kentucky and all of this and that. But it, I mean, what it sounds like is that it's the athletic director that's kind of actively holding back things that his $10 million a year coach wants that he's signed to a quote-unquote lifetime deal. I mean, it really doesn't make any sense. Phil, that that to me was my biggest takeaway, because you had people say two different things. One, oh, this report was obviously leaked by Calipari. Well, it it probably was, or somebody, you know, that's more pro-Calipari than pro-AD for sure. But at the same time, it's a simple question of, are the facts of the story correct? And 
uh, you know, I, I, me and Kyle Tucker have had personal disagreements and, and, you know, it doesn't change the fact that he's a really good reporter and that the athletic isn't going to print something that they don't think is true. And so that, that was my big takeaway, Phyllis. People were like, well, you know, well, does he really need a new practice facility? That's not really the point. The point is that, as you said, Phil, you have a situation where it seems like the athletic director is, as you said, that was my takeaway. That was my exact quote on my show today. It seems like he's actively trying to sabotage his own basketball program. And so, you know, that, you know, all these things can all be true is that you can't, if you're the head coach of Kentucky basketball, you can't lose to South Carolina at home. You just can't end up story. There's no excuse for that. But at the same time, it also speaks to, you know, is he being given the resources needed to compete at the highest level? Maybe he is. But when you have an AD that feels like that, it feels like that was my takeaway as well, Phil, is that it feels like he's actively trying to sabotage him. That's obviously not a healthy working environment. If uh, even part of the story is true, which, as I said, there's no reason to think that it is. I think a real funny aspect to this is like, all right, so the other 13 fan bases in the SEC would be like, yes, please dismantle everything going on over there. We want to see that. That is great entertainment well, for the rest of us. They're see, a blue button program. Just in the wind. Exactly. <laughs> a couple things, though, Phil. I'll say I, I have three different thoughts on that. Is that one? It is great content for all of us. I mean, you know, us. You know, it's it's no different than Ohio State football or somebody just crumbling in front of our eyes. But I, I, there's two other elements that I think about. Is that there is still like a, a sad part of this. Like if South Carolina goes into Rupp Arena, that should mean something. I, I'll give you another example. Right? I was on another. Uh, Arkansas show, not as good as yours, obviously. Uh, but a few days ago, and they were like, you know, they gave me the whole, Torres, you got to get down for the Kentucky game the last week of the season. And I said, is that going to mean, like, is that going to be the biggest home game of the year? Because, you know, you had Alabama this week. You know, I don't know if you get Kentucky or whoever, but, or uh, Tennessee or whoever. But, like, is that even going to be a game that means anything? So, one, it's just sad. When you beat Kentucky, you want it to mean something. You don't want it to be because they're falling apart. But two, I, I do think it also sets up, Phil, a very interesting scenario for Kentucky because, you know, we saw the other night where, you know, the, the fans were saying, had the signs that said, please go to Texas. And on the one hand, like, I, I, I really do actually understand the frustration and, and I understand holding your program to a higher level. On the other hand, Kentucky has the number one recruiting class coming in next year. And, you know, reports are already that they're in very good shape for the following class as well. And so basically what we know is, at the very least, if John Calipari is your head coach, he's bringing in really good players, and the question becomes, is he going to be able to kind of take advantage of it? But I guess what I'm just trying to get to is, imagine being Kentucky, you know, being the fan that, that wants him out, and then seeing him take the number one class in the country, and next year things break a little bit differently, and all of a sudden they're a two seed and they're in the Sweet 16. So it is this weird slippery slope where, one, I do think it's a little bit sad, um, it, it, for, for fans of the sport, and I think even for, to your point, though, the other 13 fan bases, it, it's supposed to mean something when you beat Kentucky. But then, two, I do think it's a slippery slope where I, I do think the standard has to be higher. There's no doubt about that. But the reverse of it is, man, as long as this dude is coaching college basketball, he's going to have the talent that's good enough to win a national championship. Now, whether, whether he does or not is independent of that. And the next guy that you get, it is not guaranteed that he will be able to do what Calipari is currently doing. So it's just, there's a lot of, it's, it's a good college sports soap opera. There's just so many different interesting layers to it when you really break it down. 
All right, Arkansas right now struggling to put the ball in the hole, uh, averaging uh, just under 65 points in their four SEC games. Now, they might have played against the best team in the, um, not just in the SEC, maybe in the country, against Alabama this past week, lost 84-69. to Tennessee thinks they might be the best in the league. Uh, from what I saw, Alabama's scary good right now. Um, and, uh, and I think right now they're, they, they're the best in the SEC. When you watched that game, Arkansas-Alabama, was it a surprise to you to see the struggles that the Hogs had to put the ball in the hole and how Alabama just like, you know, it's when, they, when they wanted to at a 9-0 run and, and, and ran away with the game in the last four minutes? Well, it didn't really surprise me because the thing about Alabama, and Phil, I, I do believe that right now, this second, I think they might be the best team in college basketball. Now, you know, UConn beat them earlier. Gonzaga beat them earlier. Both those teams look good. In March, will they be the best? I don't know. But I think right now they are the best team in college basketball. And, and the point that you bring up about Arkansas struggles, part of that is that Alabama is an elite defensive team. And, and this is my thing with Alabama is I think, you know, we too often as, as consumers of sports and media and whatever, we get too caught up in narratives. And I think the narrative on NATO is, you know, this great offense, three spacing, all that stuff. They're top 15 in the country in field goal percentage defense. They're top 15 in the country in rebounds. And they're top 15 in the country in blocks. And so, like, first of all, that is incredible. And, and I, I've said it for weeks now, is that if you are elite, as a scoring team, a defensive team, a rebounding team, and a shot blocking team, you're, you're, you're pretty much a really, really good basketball team. But I think the other thing that's especially impressive, three of their four highest scorers are freshmen, and their four highest scorers overall were not in the program last year. And so I just give Nate Oates so much credit because he's clearly got these guys bought in. But I think he's kind of changed the narrative a little bit of everybody wants to just talk about the three-point shooting and the offense, and it's beautiful to watch when it's, when it's clicking. But they are an elite defensive team, and I think it's time that other people start giving credit. That doesn't mean Arkansas doesn't have to be better going forward. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not excusing what happened uh, from the Arkansas perspective. I just don't think Alabama gets enough credit for how good they are defensively. I'm still a believer in Muss. I'm still a believer in this Arkansas program. I, what your your thoughts on them against Vander? If they were to go in there and lose, is the ship sinking? Should we should we start to worry though? Well, I mean, depends on what what you know worry means to you, Matt. I mean, if you're worried about like we're not going to make the tournament, the, like I'm saying, I think we're, I think this team is still going to make the tournament. Yes, no, I, I would agree with you on that, and. You know, I, I think it was kind of a running, you know, joke that didn't, that fans didn't want to make the joke. But, you know, you start one and three in the SEC just like last year and things worked out well. So, I, you know, I, I said this after the game. is First of all, I, I think Coach Moss handled the questions about Wednesday night about as well as he could. Where he said, look, we are missing two really important pieces. Um, but he also said nobody cares and nobody wants that as an excuse. And I think... There, that is a part of the Arkansas conversation that we have to have is we don't have to, you know, excuse losses and, and not be disappointed, but we have to understand that this is nothing close to what we thought this team was going to be from the personnel that they actually have on the court. Um, but to your question, Matt, if you lose to Vanderbilt, yes, I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. I know you have to go to Missouri right after that. And I know Missouri lost the other day, but they're still a really good basketball team. Um, but do I trust – when I said it depends on, on what your your frame of the question was is 
I didn't know if you meant for this specific season or the state of the program in general. I very much believe in the state of this program, the, 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 you know, the momentum it has going forward. Um, and I also believe in this season that it's not all lost is that, um, you know, Arkansas was in this situation last year. And the one thing about coach Moss, and we've discussed it many times on this show and certainly on my own is that that guy is a tinkerer in a good way where he is going to keep throwing out lineups and combinations. Oh, we're going to get a different lineup. I, I, I would almost guarantee there'll be a different lineup than started the Alabama game. We'll start this Vanderbilt game. Exactly. And he's going to continue to tinker. It, it happened last year with Trey Wade, and I think he's going to do the same. This year doesn't mean we're going to have the same results, but he's going to tinker, and that's the kind of guy. He's going to stay in the lab until uh, hopefully things get right. But, no, I would not be worried all that much if I was a Alabama or a Arkansas fan. Yeah, I, I want Mustis to stay. We were talking about the other day. It's like, man, who are we going to get better? I, I hope Mus is here next year and the next year. I think he has a potential to, to get the right guys in and to, to win an SEC championship, regular season title, and, and make a Final Four. Say that hey, one, man. You cut out I, yeah, I was saying, I, I think as long as Musselman's here, we always got a chance to win an SEC a regular season exactly. title and make that Final Four. I, I think he's one of those upper echelon, top-tier college basketball coaches. Hey, AT, we're right up against the break. I agree, got... I know we got to go, yeah. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. It's always good talking with you, and I've got that uh, uh, the uh, Big Pig Invasion t-shirts ready to be worn during baseball season. I'll put those Woo! on social media. Where do you get some of those things sold? You got that right. Have don't, a great don't weekend, Don't put it away yet for you. basketball. Don't put it away for basketball yet. We haven't given up over here. Over here on the West Coast Big Pig Invasion Compound, we haven't given up on basketball yet. I'm glad you've got a whole compound of them. Man, watch out for those 30 to 50 feral hogs in Aaron Torres' backyard <laughs> somewhere out there in Pasadena. All right, phone lines are open for the next segment. It's 877-377-6963. We'll be right back. Stop by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith at 9390 Rogers Avenue and check out their full selection of Tommy Bahama spirits. Get whisked away to Island Paradise with excellence you can taste. Eastside Liquor carries Tommy Bahama Island Gin, Rye Whiskey, Bourbon Whiskey, Rum, and Tommy Bahama Vodkas, Mango, Cucumber, and Neutral. Get by Eastside Liquor today and try the multiple award-winning Tommy Bahama spirits. When you're so it looks like a new offensive coordinator at Clemson, and it is the Royals award winner, Garrett Riley from TCU, now taking over as the offensive coordinator for Dabo's Clemson Tigers. Brandon Streeter lasts one year. Not a great offensive season for Clemson. Uh, Cade Klubnik will be their uh, quarterback. He had some moments, I thought, in their uh, in their bowl game, but just moments. Looks like there might be something to work with, but might have a long way to get there. Uh, DJ Uyagalele is gone. Um, he had, again, some moments, but also had other moments where it looked like he wasn't quite sure what he was doing. He's transferred out to Oregon State. And um, remember, this used to be the coaching staff that uh, stayed together for all those years. Forget how long that Dabo at least kept his coordinators, and I think the rest of the staff was there for at least seven seasons uh, or something like that. And, uh, you know, now Venables is, is running Oklahoma. And uh, they're on their second offensive coordinator in the last two years. So, um, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, Dabo likes to hire people that he knows. Well, at least you know you you get a coordinator that uh, helped jumpstart that TCU offense. So, uh, interesting to see that hire today. Uh, Let me work my way up our rundown here. 
<laughs> All right, we don't talk gymnastics too often, but you're going to have to. Um, I think January 27th at Barnhill Arena is going to be an interesting day, Matt. Uh, that's when Arkansas Gymnastics hosts LSU uh, in an SEC meet. And these are always fun if you ever get a chance to go. I mean, they'll have, uh, I've seen it sold out before. Of course, they've had over 10,000 in Bud Walton for a meet before. They might want to move the meet over to Bud Walton now uh, because Olivia Dunn, who might be the most popular, I think she is the most popular female athlete, uh, at least in college, on any social media uh, platform has nearly 7 million TikTok viewers or followers. Uh, and in the last meet that LSU had, they were on the road against Utah. There were young men who probably wouldn't know the difference between a handstand and a handshake that were there chanting, We want live, we want live. She wasn't even able to compete because of an injury. And because of this, I guess it got a little bit hairy once they left their, the arena in Salt Lake and headed to the bus. LSU Gymnastics now is going to travel with a security detail mm. for the remainder of the season. So they're going to have their own, they're going to have their own security. When is she going to be an Barnhill. Olympian? Is that, is that the, the, the noise? Is, is she that good? I don't good? know how good. No, I don't oh. know how good she is. Yeah. I really don't. I just, I mean, TikTok is a whole different thing when it comes to She's popularity. just popular, like a Kardashian popular, not necessarily talented popular, like an Olympian. I got you. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, she's talented enough to at least make the team. Fair right? enough. I, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I, know how I, good I, she is compared to everybody else. I just know, you know, I mean, she's beautiful. She's young. Um, some of the videos and photos are slightly suggestive. And, you know, in that case, um, you, get the, uh, you get a pretty, uh, pretty heavy fan base. Over seven, near 7 million followers. And, I mean, really, like... I and think and they, all of them think they got a chance. Well, I think they just want to view why, her. Why, why is your husband liking all my posts? You know, it's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. A little, I mean, it's like even Chris in Fayetteville texts in. 877-377-6963. He says, I've seen that video. It was really gross and unsettling. I mean, and even I think Dunn, you know, the, the, the young lady that we're speaking about here had to issue some sort of a statement on, on whatever the, the social media platform she did that basically said, I appreciate you guys cheering for me, but, you know, keep in mind there are real athletes who are performing here and I can't perform, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, come and... And, and cheer us on and all of that. But I think at the same time, she's, you know, she and her mom are, are looking for something that isn't, um, you know, that doesn't need a security detail. But you can, you can ask for that. You're not going to get that. Well, You're not well she wants that. to be a pop star then. If she's posted, then quit posting stuff to the interweb. Like if you, if you, I mean, if, if that's the thing, go go work on your craft. If, if, you, if you're wanting to be uh, good, you know, like it's, people are so funny. So let's see, 6.7 million followers, the highest earning woman in college athletics. That's how they make money these days? They make money off TikTok? That's one way. I guess I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm really, I'm getting, it's like get off your lawn. I guess I'm getting too old. For research <laughs> purposes, I pulled up her Instagram, uh, 2.9 million followers. Wow. Oh, she looks That's very just, talented. She, okay. I, yeah, I'm yeah. seeing a lot of talent here. I see a lot of talent, yeah. Well, I mean, she's lovely. She really is. I mean, she's, she's beautiful. She's not hard on the eyes. 
you can see a photo here on this story on the ESPN website of her taking a selfie. So, like, how many selfies do you think she has taken in her life? This look, these uh, look like a lot of professional photos. I don't know, but hang, I don't know, but hang on while I do one more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, look, there are plenty of men that we know, you know, that, that, love, that love themselves some themselves, you know, with those selfies. But this is the culture that we operate inside now. But this, this photo here that I see is, is Olivia Dunn taking a selfie with what looks like a whole bunch of 14 to 17-year-old boys. I'm not even going to call she, them she lo- young men at this point. She and looks they like are she- going nuts behind her. Again, I doubt they even know what a somersault looks like. Those guest jean ads, when whenever in the '90s, you know, when they, they'd have those Calvin Klein jeans. I mean, there you go. She, if this gymnastic thing doesn't work out, she could always be a model. Well, in some terms, she already is. Right. Like if the gymnastics thing she, doesn't work out, she's going to make more money doing this. No question. Than she ever could as as a as a professional gymnast or an amateur gymnast or or whatever. It's uh, it's fascinating. So again, I mean, if, like. I, I say you start. Maybe the tickets are already sold out on January 27th. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if they are. You started. She's going to have all these followers just, you know, coming into Fayetteville. You started that story, and I'm thinking, man, they got an Olympian on their their Olympic team. Is <laughs> I thought you were going. You went totally the <laughs> totally the other way. Like they they th- those boys they came not to watch gymnastics. They just came to get a glimpse of her. That's it. That's it. You know, just to, like, see her hand or, you know, see her face while she's standing there cheering on her teammates. Now, I think she's just trying to be a teammate, but, you know, I mean, when you make that much money on, on, on social media, I see you got to promote yourself I in that see. way. I see, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So, again, January 27th, Barnhill Arena, maybe move it to Bud Walton Arena, uh, although there might be a basketball game the next day, I'm not sure. Uh, that is going to be absolutely freaking crazy. We're going to step aside for a break and wrap up our number one next. Head to Twin Peaks and Rogers, your sports headquarters, where the 29-degree draft beer is flowing, the kitchen is bursting with made-from-scratch fan favorites, and the game is blasting from every angle. Stop in for the ultimate game day experience, or visit them online at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com to order to-go or delivery and enjoy your Twin Peaks scratch favorites from home. More TVs, bigger screens, plus their scenic views. There's more to watch at Twin Peaks. So most of us agreed yesterday on our parking lot banners about uh, return your return your cart in the grocery store. Uh, if you're parked my, with me, if I'm over the white line, I'm going to repark the cart. If I'm a little bit on the white line, not so much. It's all about if, if there's a little space between the white line and the tire. Now, what about this one? This happened, um, this happened a couple of days ago. Picked up my daughter at school. Uh, and in the parking lot where I was waiting for her while we were driving out, there's a van that picks up, uh, you know, some of the kids at the same school and takes them to, a, you know, a, uh, an after-school activity place. And when, a, when the young man was getting into the van, out fell a paper cup, and the doors closed, and they drove off. When you see somebody litter in a parking lot, what do you do? This was a teaching moment for me and my daughter. We drove over to the thing. I said, open your door, pick that thing up, we'll throw it out, because that's kind of gross. 
Uh, I don't know if everybody will do this, especially with something that might look like a previously used cup. I can understand why you might not want to touch it. So have some, you know, plastic gloves in the car for moments like that. Do you pick up other people's litter? Because litter is kind of nasty. I once saw a guy in a a McDonald's parking lot uh, dropped uh, his bag outside of his window, and I pulled up next to him and got out of my car and picked it up and walked it over to the garbage can. I did it in a passive-aggressive way Mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, show him. And he still didn't care. I I, I don't know if he got the message or not, but... uh, I, it made me feel better, not only for picking up the garbage, but for uh, well, what's, what, getting that. What out are of people like that called? Narcissists? Is that is that I what mean, that is? Like, what what do you call people that just we don't all, give we up? All, we all live any. on this planet together. Litter That's bugs. what I mean, right? Litter bugs. Yeah, douchebags. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> that one too. Yeah, it's like a uh, man. If if you see it, it's you. I don't know, man. It, you want to you want to help out and, and do that. That's. I think it's if I'm not grossed out by it to touch it. You know, like if it's kind of slimy looking or gross looking, I'd be like, man, just kind of like out of. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. If it was a cup full of somebody's hair, you know, I don't know if I'd be touching that. What, what is wrong with people? Like, why are we do? Why like don't some don't you are, learn that lesson at a young no, age? Some people are raised that way. They're now, just, maybe, they, they, me, they saw their yeah. parents do. You do a little devil's advocate on this too. Some people have so much trash in their car, yeah, it just, it just falls, falls out, out. Yeah. and some falls right. out of it. Yeah. Something's bound point, to just blow out the window every If you're not time. throwing an empty can at a stop sign, then it doesn't count. You know, you, can just, you can't just throw your garbage. It has to be a game to it. We can litter all day, right? Just joking. joking. <laughs> it's different, like littering in your car. That's just, you know, do what you want in That's your own your house. personal space. Do what you want in your own space. Yeah, I don't care if you shower. Just stay away from be me. Be as dirty as you want in your own pig pen, but... Just don't breathe on me. <laughs> Oh, Bruce in Nashville sends in a good one, the spit cup. I had roommates. I had roommates that... They leave a spit cup lying around? Well, thankfully, it wasn't a cup. It was a Mountain Dew bottle. I mean, bottles of empty Mountain Dew that were just filled with that stuff. So I didn't smell it all that much, but I'd kick those things around. Whenever I dipped... Yeah, if you dip a mint, it smells. The mint stuff, I always dipped Copenhagen Long Cut, but whenever I did, I'd put it in a bottle where you could throw throw the cap one time. Reached down on my left cubby hole, thought it was my water. Oh. <laughs> yeah. One time. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to go puke for a quick moment. We'll come back with our number two. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Know that weekend approaching, and in 25 hours, we've got Arkansas basketball taking on Vanderbilt, a team that won at Bud Walton Arena last year. They weren't all that good. They were okay. So Vanderbilt team this year is about the same. And uh, the Hogs going in with a 1-3 and conference record, looking to change things up a little bit. We'll get into more of that as we go throughout our uh, next couple of hours on halftime. 877-377-6963 to get with us. It is it a must-win game in your eyes? Do you think the team views it a little differently? Do they just view like every game we got to go out and play our best and win? They just need a little bit. A little bit to change the mojo right now and uh, and get uh, some forward momentum. 
I did see where yesterday、uh, Major League Baseball is instituting the automatic ball strike zone for AAA baseball.、Uh, I was told that near half of the AAA parks utilize this. They call it a robotic strike zone, computerized strike zone, what have you. ABS is the shorthand for it for automatic ball strike. And now all AAA parks、uh, will be using this. Automatic strike zone that doesn't take the plate umpire out of the game completely because the plate umpire has, I think it's AirPods or, or some, sort of,、uh, some sort of earphone、um, that there's a voice that tells them what the computer saw. And then the umpire just, you know, says strike or ball.、Um, you still have plate umpires for plays at the plate. And to keep track of the pitch clock and make sure pitchers are throwing the ball when they are supposed to, and to make sure batters are getting into the box when they're supposed to.、Um, this changes the game, though, and I, I wonder how you feel about it.、Uh, I'll tell you how I feel about it. I can look at it both ways because I've seen enough poorly called games behind the plate to know that an umpire can certainly change the outcome of a baseball game. <clears throat> And I've also seen other games where it feels like this guy is on point. He gets it right. And,、um, but I can also see from the other perspective of that, you know, you've got a strike zone. It's clearly defined in the rule book. And I don't like now, it. Now, theoretically, it's going to be called by the book. And I still think there are going to be some unintended consequences to this. I think it's a cop out. It's a way out. It's, it's these, these referees. You see how they get on their. They call all these dumb fouls, all these ticky tacky fouls throughout the game. Then the last two minutes of a game, when you get automatic replay, it's like, let's go over to the replay every time. Let's go. It's like, man, let's play the game. Let's, 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 let's play. Let's, let's go. And just messes up. And, and I think that's what they're going to do with this eventually after year three or whatever. They just use it as a crutch. It's like, well, I got this to fall back on. So if it's close, I don't have to make a call. We can just go to the monitor. Now, you got to separate replay from what this is. This is automatic ball strike. This is different than. So it's a, a challenge? The, other, the players can challenge? Or not、no? even a challenge. This is how the game is called. Is、it's、there going to be an umpire behind the catcher? There will be an umpire, but he's not calling. He's going to get he buzzed like the Houston the Astros did. You know,、that's、they know、right. what pitch comes. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's right. It's、yeah. like I said. I mean, he's going to have a, a voice in his ear that says ball or strike, and then he goes from there.、Um, I agree with you. I think in, 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 in the NFL, In Major League Baseball,、uh, in college football, in, in a lot of cases, college baseball in some cases, replay is used as a crutch.、Mm-hmm. This is not replay. This is first play. Gotcha. <laughs> This is not a challenge. It's, it's like the ten- is it maybe like the tennis where they, when it hits the line,、yes. they, just, they know it in four seconds. It's like they go right to it, and so we know it right away. There's a difference, though, because with, the, with like tennis and this VAR system, and it's the same with. It's, it's really it's the same with soccer.、Mm-hmm. When you're figuring out VAR as to offside, you're talking about something that's more two dimensional. You know, are you over a line or are you not? A strike zone is three dimensional and it's got depth and it's got height and it's got. It changes.、Weight. It's forever changing. Yeah. Every, each batter, the, the, yeah. That's right. It changes depending on the batter.、Um, but it, the, this whole zone system has to have improved from the past couple of years、uh, because it was instituted. In a couple of single A leagues two years ago, I remember texting with Casey Martin about it when he played in the Florida State League. And he said, This, this, this changed things for him a little bit, but it must have improved because it wasn't, it wasn't a very good 
ball strike zone initially. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have elevated to every single AAA ballpark, and 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 not had plans to institute this in the majors next year or the year after if this whole technology hasn't improved greatly. W- would you want the Jeff Bagwell swing then? I think I'd want to, I'd want that swing where I'm kind of sl- lower in my strike zone. You're not going to see people standing up uh, like a King Griffey. Uh, you're going to kind of get hunched over. I know Bat- Bagwell had one. Ricky, Ricky Henderson had a good thing. one. Yeah, Ricky did the same thing. He shortened that strike zone, made the strike zone a lot smaller. But I do think it's on the way. I mean, we can. I think they're going. To, they're going to implement this in the major leagues, and we can have all kinds of opinions about this. But why do you think it's being instituted? Why do you think it's going to be pushed into the major leagues? It's because the players, the front offices, the managers want it. I don't think it's a matter of what fans want in this case. It's a matter of what the players are calling for and what managers are calling for. And, and I, just, I think it's going to change the game in, in ways where we're not quite ready for. But, I mean, it's, I, 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 can t- I can take a stance at it and say I was a catcher as a kid. I think this lessens the value of catchers. But on the other hand, you're about to have a rules change in, in the game where pitchers can only uh, throw a pickoff twice per at-bat. So in that case catchers are just as important, if not more so than recently, because you're going to have more guys trying to steal bases, which, which makes the catcher important. So, I mean, some of these things will work in tandem. I also think we can complain about this. It's on the way. It's on the way. Is it going to lessen your enjoyment of the game? I'm does not it, sure. Does it change how catchers prepare themselves? Uh, like you said, it, it, does it change how they go about it or how you're going to be taught uh, to play defense back there? Or is there something that's going to be instilled where it's like, I got to have a faster pop time? Or, or are they still trying to frame that pitch on, that, on the plate? Yeah, I can't. I mean, framing it won't matter. It, it really won't matter. Um, what will matter is where the pitch crossed the plate, which is what is supposed to matter. Really, I mean, catchers aren't supposed to be able to steal strikes because of their ability to frame pitch. That was that was pre-automatic ball strike zone. That was pre-technology. And and if you look, here's the thing about this too: if they're going to do this, the thing better be right 100 percent of the time. Really, otherwise, put the humans back there again. So people have some pretty uh, steadfast opinions about this. We got a couple of callers on hold. Woods, I know you're a base. You called before I even got into this, but I know you've got an opinion because you're a baseball guy. Yeah. Hey, Woods, well, what's I, up? I'm caught between two segments. Um, I, I wanted to give my pet peeve. Um, so I live in downtown Bentville, and I go to the neighborhood market where um, I park in the parking garage. And, you know, you're, you're only supposed to park there whenever you go into the store. But everybody goes and then they go to the coffee shop. Mm. Like, nobody's going grocery shopping. And I start yelling at people, like, there's little old ladies that are trying to park here that live downtown to get their groceries. So that's my pet peeve. Um, I do I do hate the shopping cart thing, too. So, But, yeah, I, I talked to a friend about, you know, the whole um, – balls and strikes thing and, and umpiring thing. And he's, he's been battling that since he was in triple a with the reds back in like 2003 and been like, I have no idea why we don't have an automated system. Um, something that will at least give us some accurate umpiring and, you know, we don't have to look at, uh, you know, what's going on here, and it, it costs you a game or something, you know, like it could cost you a game. 
Don't you um, think it could be hacked or be easily changed or an easier way to cheat than then you can 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 mess it up that way because it's it's all going to be on computer. That brings up a whole other level of conversation about because when you're at, I mean, yeah, you're that, worry yeah, about the that, players that, are on the take, right? Well, what if somebody can break into the computer yeah. system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a different level. That's for people way smarter than me to be able to figure out. When there's this much money involved, people will be trying. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's a big business. So no, uh, yeah, I just got caught up into a couple of things you guys were talking to. Thought I'd just break in, but um, been good hearing you guys while I work today. Woods, appreciate the call, man. Thank you very much. Keep looking for that key to the batter's box, as always. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Woods knows that stuff. The left-handed curveballs, keys to the batter's box, all of those things, too. Brennan Fort Smith texts in, part of the fun for him is the human error and how strategies change based on the way the umpire is calling the plate. And, and part of the fun of the sport for me is the same thing. But I also see in the, uh, in the actual rule book where it says what the strike zone is supposed to look like, and it isn't always called that way. And we have, uh, we have uh, pitchers earning strikes that they don't deserve, batters getting balls that they don't deserve. Um, you it know, is, so the whole idea here is you get what you deserve, I think. And, but it, it's got to be 100% right. Like, otherwise, a lot of these umpires, like, they're 96 97% correct. Uh, even the bad ones are still getting 93 94% correct on their balls and strikes now admittedly there's still a lot of pitches per game that they might be missing so if you're going to put this computerized strike zone in it better be right all the time yeah but the good ones get to go in the postseason you know they you get to you get to improve and, and call the 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 bigger games so next next you won't have a you won't have an umpire at first base at all like you'll just have they'll they'll just have some way to tell that if the if the catcher got it what, what, what do you need an umpire at first base for Maybe that's the direction that they're going in. But the other sports haven't done that just yet. Um, you know, you still have an umpire for tennis, well, even with VAR. And in VAR and soccer, it's just like what you're saying. The the Holmes has an earpiece in, and he just he just waits, and then he just he motions on. He doesn't have to go check a monitor uh, unless they, they tell him to. But a lot of times, if whatever it is, it's, he can just say, they tell him in his ear, and then it's like, let's go on, game on. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. With this, and again, yeah, I think you got to separate the idea of replay, which replay kills the pace of the game. Sometimes there's no doubt about that. You got to separate replay from what we're talking about, which is automatic ball strike. Is not replay. It's the first call by the umpire. That's the first one. We got Eddie on hold here. Eddie, I'll go back to replay for a quick moment here. I would love to have a replay system that replays all of your calls during one day on hitthatline.com. We could fit 24 hours of Eddie, Eduardo, and Clarksville phone calls onto a show. We could get it sponsored. You know, people are saying, who are we going to yell at when it comes to umpires if we have computerized strike zones? Well, yell at Eddie because he's going to be yelling at you through, the, through, the, through, the, uh, the, through your speakers. Hi, Eduardo. How are you? Well, I'm fighting through this cold. I don't know. They're kind of feeling under the rim weather. But you know the reason I'm calling in, gentlemen, you know they're a very important game in our basketball hall train tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Wanting to get some confidence in this young team. But I want to know this. You know, I had a grandmother. You know, she didn't have a, she didn't have a kitty. But, you know, before the holidays started, she put a little extra money. She said, we're going to go feed the kitty. And that's what I'm asking this basketball team tomorrow. 
Tomorrow, when you step out on that court, uh, on that court, are you going to put the basket in the kitty? In the ba- in the hoop? Because if you don't, if you go two for 25 at the free throw line, if you go four for 30, whatever it is, for three-point line, attack the basket. Uh, put the ball in the hoop. Who on the bench is going to step up? Are you going to feed the kitty tomorrow? Because if you don't start feeding this kitty, our season is going to be, uh, you know, be preparing for next year. And so you got to start feeding the kitty. I don't know where the points are going to come from, but they got to start knocking. I don't understand why they can't knock down a free throw. I don't understand why we can't make shots. And we still got a very talented team. I mean, to me, sooner or later, it's got to start falling, but you got to start feeding the kitty. And it starts tomorrow at Nashville against the Commodores. And I want to see if somebody off the bench, it's only, hey, we always had a bench. I'll go back over uh, Eddie Sutton, Nolan Richardson. They always had a bench. And then we, who on the bench? Pinion, you get up and you step up and you knock down some outside shots. We didn't recruit you to sit on the bench. So that goes for every player on the bench. We didn't recruit you just to be sitting there. So who would contribute to help out Black? Thank you for taking my call. Eduardo, it's good to hear from you. And I appreciate yeah, By the way, you know, <clears throat> I've got an automatic feeder for my cat. If you're my looking for any help cat. with that, that'll, that'll do the trick. Um, you know, the bench, you're seeing the bench right now because two starters are, are out, you know, <laughs> one out for the year and one, you know, theoretically coming back maybe next month, but you're seeing the bench, you know, and, and, and so that's one of the reasons why, I mean, the depth is being tested here. You know, I mean, you're seeing Jalen Graham play off the bench. You got Mikel Mitchell starting in the last game. You've seen Joseph Pinion now, I think, four games in a row. And you've seen, you know, what makes him potentially a good college basketball player and what also makes him a little limited as a freshman right now. Well, we haven't seen too much of are Darian Ford and Barry Dunning Jr. You know, I mean, those are those are guys that. You know, Dunning got a start. You know, I think when wasn't it when Devo was was gone from? The oh team yeah, for, for a, a couple for games. A game? Yeah, Dunning got a start. He was in there for maybe three minutes. Yeah, I was going to say one of those six minute starts. Yeah, that, that so is, so is Graham. He's got a couple of those as well. I, I think Darian Ford is going to be a, a big time hog. Uh, I, I think Pena's going to hit a lot of big shots, and you bring up a good point, Phil. They're freshmen. It's t- it's hard, man. It's it's hard in this league to win with a lot of freshmen, and especially freshmen that you probably weren't counting on to play 25 minutes a game. Uh, but I do think Coach Muss, it, it will probably be a different starting lineup, or it's going to be a each game's going to be a little different. But I think this could be a game that Pena could could get a 17 minutes in, and when he gets in there, man, shoot the ball, shoot the rock. When you're open, shoot it. That's what you're there for. I just also think, look, I, I think this is going to be a team that's going to have to learn a way to win a game in the 60s, mid to high 60s, low 70s. Doesn't sound sexy. It sounds like Virginia, but they win games. You know, and I don't know. This team might not have been built for that, but this is what they are right now. Going to have trouble getting to 80 points. You're going to have trouble getting to 75 points. You know, that's what I mean about grind them down. They're going to have to find a different way to win a basketball game, and they haven't found that way to do it just yet. Uh, Tuna's with us now. Hey, Charlie, good to have you as always. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yo, loud yo, yo. Oh, I didn't hear it. I hear, I hear the things flip over. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Uh, you know, so at the end of the day, even Eddie with a cold is like, 
He can still motivate me. He brings it, don't he? I wonder what he'd be You could hear Eduardo, the hog train, um, I don't know, the octane is a little lower than usual. I know, but I'm still I'm still fired up. So <laughs> I'll just check. I mean, it, that's like the low end of Eddie, and he still brought it. I mean, that's just crazy. He's just a passionate fan. I love it. But I'll say this. Um, you know, back to your point, Phil, I agree. I think, you know, right now when you're down two, two of your main guys, it's hard. You're seeing the guys that, you know, not necessarily that you thought. Here's what I'm going to say uh, to a lot of people. Let's think about the guys that are going to the line and who aren't. You know, the Mitchell twins are not very good free throw shooters in their career. Neither is Kamani. Neither is Graham. Those are the guys that get fouled a lot. Now, Black had a bad game last game, but for the most part, this year, guys, he's been pretty good, him and Ricky from the foul line. Outside of that, the other guy, the big guys that go to the line, they're just not very good free throw shooters. So, I, I mean, it just is what it is. Matt, I agree with you, though. Like, we got to give – Here's the thing, though, with Pinion. Like, you can't just take him out after one play if he gets beat. You know, I think Muss has to give these guys some chance. I know he believes in defense. I get it. I believe in defense. But, I mean, we got, we're going to have to let some of these guys play, including Dunning and Ford at this point. I mean, we're one and three. I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, and we don't know about Nick uh, at this point, but you can't rely on that. So, if he does come back, you would like to be playing – he said basketball at that point. I mean, give yourself a chance. I mean, you can't bring him back if you're one and eight in the SEC. I guess. Is that is that I mean, is that a good if point? He, if I you're mean, one and eight, that that is a good point. Yeah. because he, yeah. I think he comes back if we. I, I mean, I have no idea what what he does. But oh, if you're I not going to go to the tournament, then it's kind of a less likely chance that he no would point. come back. Yeah, yeah, no point at all. That's my point. And I think tomorrow we have a great chance because I think we're better than Vanderbilt. I think, and a lot of people say, well. Kentucky and Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, I'm not Kentucky, Alabama and Tennessee are kind of head and shoulder above everyone else right now. And I agree with that. I think we fall in that next tier. I just think we got to get some confidence, too. It's confidence with shot making, too, guys. It's not just, oh, you can't make it. You got to shoot it with conviction and confidence. Even if you miss it, you got to shoot it with confidence. Anyways, thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. Charlie, good to hear from you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't think you snap your fingers and say, get in the gym, guys, and all of a sudden, you know, limited three-point shooters become good three-point shooters. And then all of a sudden, you know, players that aren't good free-throw shooters turn into good free-throw shooters. I think it's at some point there has to be an understanding that right now this is not a team that is an offensive juggernaut, and you got to find other ways to win basketball games. You're going to be defense first. Go and win a game defensively against Alabama. That's a lot tougher to do than it sounds. Against Vanderbilt, I think it can be right about as easy as it sounds. Not to make it sound easy, but hey, it's, it's different than trying to hold Alabama to, you know, like 67 points. All right, we're going to break here. First one, I remind you about a great place to watch Arkansas basketball tomorrow. It is Joe's Grill and Cantina in Fort Smith, home of half-price apps and half-price taps during every televised Razorback game. And on Fridays, since today is Friday, they got a fajita special. Chicken fajitas are 10 bucks, steak fajitas are $11. You get your sides with it. And a flavored margarita is just $4 at Joe's Grill and Cantina. They're 3400 South 74th and Fort Smith, right across from Harps. Open Tuesday through Saturday. And go to their website, joesfortsmith.com, for more info and download the waiter app. You can put an order through right there. Lines remain open. 
877-377-6963. Halftime is right back. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith today and pick up a bottle of the delicious 291 Colorado Bourbon and Rye. Also available, high noon tailgate packs are in stock, so swing by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith for all your game day needs at Eastside Liquor. Now, back to the podcast. One thing an automatic ball strike system is going to uh, remove is uh, argument. It's got, they're going to go the way of the dodo bird. We've seen this already with replay. You know, if you disagree about a call at first base or second base, you put you signal for earmuffs and you know you stop yelling at the umpire. Throw the flag. That's right. Well, we don't. I don't want the flag system in baseball, Matt, because I love to see these guys put their heads to their hands to their ears. I, I don't want to see any of. It. I want. To, I want. To, I like it. I, I like the the umpires out there, and and, and I'm with you. If you're going to do it, you got to get it right. Can't have next day. We can't be talking about how the system messed up and it failed us. You know, um, it, uh, I had a manager with the Travelers. My last year with the Travelers, Philip Wellman was our manager. He's now uh, El Paso's manager at AAA. Won a Texas League title with San Antonio last year. You might remember Philip Wellman because he was that Double A manager. Who was with the Mississippi Braves. Gosh, this must have been like 15 years ago. He threw the rosin bag. Rosin yep. bag as that was yep. the sickest thing. That was on Sports Center for like That's 17 him. weeks. That's him. That's him. And he routinely gets thrown out of minor league games, too. <laughs> routinely. His, his wife is wonderful, Monty. And I, I see her on Facebook, and she's at every game with her feet up. And anytime he gets thrown out of the game, which happens like eight times a year, uh, she just puts out a post, time to break out the checkbook. It's another $50 fine to the Texas League. Those will go bye-bye. Like Philip Wellman's tirades will go bye-bye. It was, think of all the times. Like I've been doing Razorback baseball broadcasts for now eight seasons. And I can probably count the number of arguments that Dave Van Horn has had with an oppose, with an umpire on one hand. Before replay and everything, Dave told me, this is going to eliminate, eliminate ejections of, of head coaches, eliminate arguments. He viewed it as a good thing because he get pretty fiery, right? And he stays in the dugout just a little bit more often than he did previously. And they just go over there and light up a heater. You know, it's just like you don't see that anymore. The... <laughs> The the Detroit Tigers manager uh, Leland, well, when he was with the Pirates he would he, would, yeah. he would put that heater in yeah he, he would just have to try to hide it though smelled like a cigarette you looked at his picture and it just you smelt the cigarette off of it Leland looked like he was always on his tenth cup of coffee <laughs> and second pack of cigarettes for the day and by the time first pitch at seven oh five hit he probably was Chris and Lowell you're on halftime appreciate your phone call what's up uh, yeah hey it's my first time calling listening to you guys all the time. Uh, we, we have a, a home ticket uh, for the basketball, and the, I, I hear you guys talk about the players a lot, but uh, the guy I'm interested in you guys would talk about, and I'll hang up and listen, is Ricky Council. Uh, I think Ricky, in my opinion, is an elite player. The thing that I see a lot is when he releases the ball, sometimes that the ball like has a horizontal tight rotation to it. I don't know what to say, but but then the other time when he's like at the foul line or he seems like he's really on, that he has that good rotation of what you uh, would see maybe a vertical type spin on the ball. 
Um, I'm going to hang up and uh, kind of listen to you guys' response and uh, talk about that. I think Ricky actually leak. I think somebody uh, pulled him to the side and say, hey, dude, you're elite, and you need to step up some and carry this team because I think you can. So thanks, thanks for the call. Well, I mean, I don't – look, I'm, I'm, I'm no shot doctor. <laughs> you know, not a shooting coach. I just see a guy who's really good from, like, 17 feet away mm-hmm. and 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 might struggle a little bit a few feet back. Uh, that's all. He's got a good-looking mid-range jumper. You know, he gets that ball up. I think it looks really tough to for an opponent to block that shot. Uh, but I think his three-point shooting, it, I mean, it leaves something to be desired, but I think he's a, he's a, he's a pretty good – He's a pretty good offensive player. It's just the numbers are down a little, you know, once you got into the SEC. And, hey, I mean, maybe you just expect that because the SEC is a darn good basketball league, shooting 33% in four SEC games. And, and honestly, I mean, he's a shooter that should be at least in the 40s. He's a shooter uh, through and through. He, 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 can, uh, he can fill it up. Uh, he's a mid-range shooter. We talked about Jimmy Butler the other day, and, and he's just a younger kid too, man. He, his three-point shot will probably get better with age. You know, in seven years when he's over in Europe playing basketball, uh, he, he'll probably be killing it. Like, I, I really think so. Uh, I don't think he's a talent that's going to go and, and, and be this successful NBA guy. I, I, there's a lot of guys. But for what this guy can do for the Razorbacks, yes, he, he has. he's looked like he's been in a funk a little bit. Uh, just the way he passes the ball, too. He's a way better passer than all these turnovers he's had in the last couple games. Can he score and fill it up? Yes. He's my favorite. I mean, he's one of my favorite out there. I'm a, I'm a Ricky Council guy. But the reason they give him that three-point shot two feet behind the three-point line is because he's not making it. That's that's why. They know he can drive by. If you get up on him, he's going to drive by you. So you, the scouting report's out. We can't let the quarterback beat us with his legs. We got to make him beat us with his with his arm. We can't let Ricky Council get two dribbles and pull up mid range. We got to make him shoot two feet behind the three point line. That's what we we got to overcome that because, like Coach Must said, they got defensive coaches on the, on every team out here, and they know what you like to do. And the thing you want to do is make them a, a little uneasy. Don't let them get to their spot they like, and that's what you're seeing these teams do. Auburn did that to us the whole game. Let them feel the pressure of the score. You know, I mean, they've been trailing so much in, in SEC games that I think that pressure begins to build a little bit. You know, you got to do something. You got to do something to get the game a little bit closer, and it'll take you out of your comfort zone at times. Alabama did that. They did that. Even though they played man defense, they kept Arkansas uncomfortable, and, you know, part of the reason was they led for almost the entire ball game. 877-377-6963 to get with us on halftime. We'll take a quick break and come right back. It's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings with 64-inch TVs everywhere, cold beer, delicious burgers, and you-know wings. Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games. So bring the game and join us this playoff and bowl season at our Conway, Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, and Fort Smith locations. Buffalo Wild Wings, your home for the big games. Roar!
listening to Halftime with Phil Olson and Matt Jones. Want to jump in the conversation? Call or text into Halftime at 877-377-6963. Now, here's Phil Olson and Matt Jones. Oh, one of my favorite Elton John songs on a great album, Honky Cat. Maddie's always on top of the music. 877-377-6963 to join us on Halftime today. We've had plenty of callers here in hour number two, and we appreciate that. Next up, Josh in Fort Smith. Hi, Josh. Appreciate the call. What's up? Hey, Phil. Good to talk to you. Uh, you I love listening to you uh, at the baseball games, you and Bubba, and you and Matt doing a great job. Um, and just calling in to, uh, about the scouting report on Ricky Council. Um, I think you could probably apply that to the whole team until Pinion comes into the game. <laughs> these guys, just about everybody on the floor can hit a three-point shot, but no one has been able to do it consistently. Um, but yet they, like when we had Auburn in foul trouble and kind of taking it easy around the three-point line instead of driving in trying to get these big guys to foul out. What do you guys yeah. think about that? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, look, all the, a lot of the players have different skill sets and everything, but what Council has been good at what Black has been good at, what Devo's been good at throughout his career, and these are your three leading scorers are uh, are are getting to the rim, the mid range jumper. I think with with Devo, and I mean, we could say this and that about Devo's shot. I think he's a pretty decent mid range shooter. Can rise and and put it through. Uh, you know, Black. I'm not sure about Anthony Black's shot necessarily. He can do so many other things though that turns him into a valuable player. <clears throat> but there aren't as many scorers to dish it out to right now. Uh, and and I think for Council, yes, yeah. I mean, I think you've you've kind of hit it a little bit with him. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they everybody just about everybody on the floor can hit a three point shot at one point or another. Um, but we got to do more. Just not in games right now. Not <laughs> yeah, in games exactly. right now. I mean, maybe it's happening in practice when no one's defending them, or it's just you know a coach has a hand up. But that doesn't matter very mm-hmm. much. It's like the same thing. You can go out and practice free throws and hit 10 in a row in practice. What about when there's, you know, 10,000 fans watching at Auburn and they're screaming and you know that, man, this could be the difference in, in keeping a run going. It's much different in a game, much different when you're facing somebody that's trying to defend you. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and they're just not going to magically become three-point shooters. I think you can improve your free throw shooting um, to the point where, I don't know if it wins you a game or something, but... I just don't automatically think you're going to be able to start hitting threes. I just think you got to change the way that you expect to win a ball game right now, uh, which is if you mm-hmm. get an opportunity to create a turnover, push that ball, you get a long rebound, push that ball. It is still a team that looks like they should be able to get out of the fast break, right? Otherwise, yeah, I, I grind the opponent team. down. I, still, I think they even, might be built that way. Even with Smith gone and Brazil gone, I hate that because, oh, gosh, I was looking so forward to everything that they could do this season. Uh, but, yeah, things have got to change. Uh, like you said, they're still a good team. They have great players. Um, I would say this is probably a better team than we had last year um, as far as talent. Um, Talent-wise, uh, trans- potentially. Talent. But there's mm-hmm. so many, you know, you got to have complementary pieces. Um, and I don't, you know, right now it's, it's they necessarily haven't looked like that they complement each other offensively and defensively. I think they can, uh, but it, again, it's like there's a recipe to winning a game. It's different game to game. 
Uh, and right now, I think the recipe for Arkansas would be a little bit more like a slow cooker. You know what I mean? Than just boiling mm-hmm. that sucker as quickly as you can. Hey, uh, Josh, yeah. we got another yeah. caller on hold. Appreciate you giving this phone call today, and thanks for uh, for your for your great for your nice words. Appreciate you. Uh, up next, we've got Rod, who's in the truck on Interstate 40. Rod, how are the highways looking today? Uh, not too bad. Not very congested. It could be worse for a Friday. Uh, usually it's a lot worse than this. Uh, still pretty heavy. Uh, the word I'm missing here is cohesion. We always had a, yeah. a one great player that's uh, always the floor general, Corey Beck. Uh, like last year we had, you know, we had Justin. Uh, we need somebody to take the game over. We had Brazil. I think we lost a key part there that was a cohesive part of the team. And right now they're great players playing individually, but we need a team that has cohesion. And for God's sake, Devo shouldn't have to be shooting threes. I mean, he made two, for God's sake, almost fell out of my chair when he did. Uh, you know, but uh, I think we're lacking cohesion here. That's all I can think of. Yeah, and that and that's kind of what I mean about complementary pieces. I think I think you've hit it a little bit there, and, and and you need an assassin sometimes too. Like that's part of being a you know a team that complement itself is having an assassin on the outside that can shoot long range, and you know when you need a bucket, you know you got someone like maybe Ricky Council is that player. He just nece- hasn't necessarily been that in the last they, in the last two three games. They seem to be playing a little sped up because the talent level, the game has gotten faster. You know these non conference. We only played about two or three teams that were legitimate teams in the non conference game, so we had confidence. And now we're with our equals. We're with people that are a little better. And you're not just going to get by with your athleticism. We're not the best team on the floor every night. Uh, we we still have uh, good players, but the game the the pace of the game is, has sped up a little bit, and we're pressing a little bit. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Thank you very much, Rod. Appreciate that very much. Hey, before we uh, hit the break, you can give me reasons right now, Matt and Matt, why I need to hate you since you're eating fish city grill. What they bring you today? And they brought some good stuff. I know what I had. Um, I had some pot roast, Ooh. which I was shocked. I thought I was thinking fish today, and then I get some pot roast. And uh, I know my grandmother's not listening because she passed away over a decade ago. But uh, yeah, she's listening. Maybe yeah. it's maybe better than my grandmother's pot roast. Ooh, yeah. What? Maybe, yeah, I had the, I just went with the the old trusty fish tacos. Phil can't can't go wrong. Fish City fish tacos. Mm, well, I got to tell you what. As I look on the uh, Fish City Grill Facebook page today, I would have asked for the salmon quinoa and kale salad that looks great full of spinach broccoli almonds dried cranberries white balsamic vinaigrette and orange zest with uh that's a pretty large piece of salmon on top of that salad that's fish city grill at their locations in fort smith and rogers they always take care of whomever's in the studio on a friday and i'm not there today i love fish city grill i hate you two we're gonna come back after the break and we'll Wrap up hour number two. Stay with us. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal Protection Plan. 
Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. All right, wrapping up hour number two here with uh, thoughts on Arkansas football as far as replacing playmakers on the defensive side. We got a question uh, about this yesterday from Brad in Fayetteville on the text line, 877-377-6963. If you got any thoughts, any questions, recipes since we're coming into the weekend and, you know, I don't have a game to call so I can cook a little bit. So you lose Miles Slusher at safety. It's a playmaker. I think he's a good ball player. Drew Sanders at linebacker. I don't think you can replace Drew Sanders. That's not a matter of, all right, we got to replace him with somebody. No, you're just putting another linebacker at that position, and he's going to play that position. You're not going to replace the production from Drew Sanders now, and (laughs) who knows if ever. Jordan Dominic on the edge. That one hurt. And Isaiah Isaiah Nichols um, there at nose tackle. Who have you gotten back? Uh, Al Walcott at safety. Seems like he's a playmaker. Snacks Johnson at cornerback from Baylor. Both of those two from Baylor. John Morgan, a defensive end who's, um, I mean, he played for a good defense at Pitt last year. Had some production. and was, I think it was three and a half sacks. Pressured the quarterback six times. There were other uh, defensive linemen that had more production than Morgan. So perhaps he's looking for a place to do that here. And Antonio Greer at linebacker. And so far, I don't know if you've like replaced the production necessarily. At least you've replaced some of the space that those guys fill. Um, I think you're still looking at. Um, I think you're still looking at another safety um, that might have to come in. Uh, cornerback. I mean, I, I wonder about depth in the secondary overall uh, for the program. Um, they have lost a few others in the in the transfer portal that you might have looked at as depth players. <clears throat> but, man, I mean, I don't want to be in the position next year where you're, like, looking at two wide receivers to potentially go over and play the other side of the ball because of a rash of injuries at that position. So I think the I, more depth you can find in the secondary, the better. And right now, they probably need a little bit more depth. Yeah, McAdoo and, and Pooh Paul, those are the two guys that stand out. I think there's a lot of opportunity in spring ball this year. New defensive coordinators coming in. Uh, there'd be some people with, that had, probably hadn't played a whole lot. Uh, so, and whoever we're getting in the transfer portal, I think it, there, there's going to have to be some people we don't know yet that are going to have to step up because that defense – Six and six. We're going to have to tackle better, man. If you want to, if what what we didn't do is situationally is third down, but we did not tackle very well uh, last year, and, and it might be up and down. You you see a lot of people talking about the tackling is, isn't as good because they don't hit in practice anymore. And if you don't practice tackling, how are you going to be good at it at the game? And and just like we're talking about the basketball hogs from non conference to conference practice to, to to playing in the game, the speed's going to be different. So if you if you haven't practiced, you haven't been tackling. Uh, you're not going to win a lot of ball games, but it's going to be interesting to see spring ball, what what goes on with these two coaches, the, the, the two co-defensive coordinators, what kind of plan they're going to uh, intimate. Right now, and I know they brought Greer in from South Florida, Matt, but I remember when um, when Drew Sanders announced he was transferring to Arkansas, I didn't know who he was. You know, I don't follow recruiting as closely, uh, so I didn't know that he was you know, potentially the best athlete in his class, that he could have played tight end somewhere else. I just knew he came from Alabama. Mm-hmm. He came from Alabama as a defensive player. And I know that that had to have, that should play, that should work 
at Arkansas or anywhere else in the SEC. With Greer, like, and I know he was like a preseason all-AAC linebacker, uh, but that's not Alabama. That's not the SEC. He's not jumping off the page the same way that Sanders did. I think they're going to need a little more depth at linebacker. I love Paul. Absolutely. I, I expect Greer's going to get a lot of opportunities to grab a starting position. Jordan Crook potentially, too. After that, I'm kind of iffy on on the situation at linebacker. You probably need to bring more of them in. All right. And I, we're into the uh, third hour of halftime in just a moment. Watch McAdoo play, man. Watch him grow, his growth, what he does. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, and I hope I hope he stays at cornerback. Absolutely. We're into the third hour of halftime after this. It's the golden hour now on halftime. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and right about 24 hours from right now, you're going to be watching Arkansas versus Vanderbilt. And then later on in the afternoon, Seahawks and the 49ers open up the NFL playoffs. Chargers and the Jags which is kind of a fascinating night game on NBC. Uh, you get the Dolphins, Bills, Giants, Vikings, Ravens, Bengals on Sunday and a Monday night playoff game. I love that they instituted Monday night playoffs with the super wild card. Cowboys and the Bucks in another fascinating game. I'm, I mean, I'm really just sort of fascinated by uh, teams with better records that have to go on the road to a team with a worse record. Chargers have to do that. So do the Cowboys. You know, you place a premium on winning a division. You know, why not? If you have divisions, what's the whole? You know, why why not have why have divisions if 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 winning the division is not going to at least do something for you? Um, so I'm, I mean, this Chargers Jaguars game could go could go either way. I mean, that game's in Los Angeles. Then the Chargers win it in a walk in Jacksonville, traveling across the country against this Jaguars team that was five and three at home. I think is a, is a different story. And I know, Matt, you still have some pretty, uh, I think, fond feelings for Jacksonville and, and the town and the stadium and everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's going to be a big game. Uh, and and uh, Herbert's game, it could be a coming out party. He could win. The, win uh, and, and, and you got uh, Lawrence at Jacksonville. So either one of them, young quarterbacks to get a playoff victory and put it in the cap, uh, that goes a long ways. Uh, as as building your team and signing the next deal even. Can you win in the playoffs? It's a whole new season. All you're trying to do, Coach Del Rio, when he was there, we're trying to get into the tournament. We had, we'd divide up the year into quarters, four-game stretches. You're trying to win each quarter. And uh, you get in the tournament, and you got a chance. And and uh, Del Rio's been a coach of some of those teams that got in the tournament and actually won. He was uh, on the Ravens' defense uh, when, when they were able to, to win a Super Bowl, their last Super Bowl. Uh, so, so he, he, I mean, he's not there anymore. But speaking of the memories, I, I, I'm with you, Phil. I think it's going to be a, a, a big time game. I got the Chargers winning that one, though. I, I like Justin Herbert. I know Trevor Lawrence is, is, is pretty good, but I like what I've seen out of him and, and, and going on the road and, and the success that they've been able to have. When you look at how, and, and earlier this year, the Jaguars won in Los Angeles. That was week three. Things changed dramatically from week three to the first round of the playoffs. You look at the teams that the Jaguars had to beat in order to win that division, and uh, none of them were really playing all that well. Uh, There's only one playoff team amongst those five wins uh, to come into this postseason with the winning streak. They beat the Titans twice. The Titans were just awful uh, in the second half of the season. They got road wins at the Jets and at the Texans, two teams that stunk, uh, and uh, did beat the Cowboys. Of course, Dallas has been... Uh, sometimes Jekyll and Hyde 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in that game. I think the Niners-Seahawks game is, is interesting just because of the of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. in that ballgame. I think when you look at the makeup of those two teams, uh, the Niners are light years ahead, and that's nothing against Seattle. I just think San Francisco is that good. But Geno Smith, <clears throat> I didn't remember when the season started, he didn't even realize he was still in the NFL. Right. I had no clue. I don't even think he, he realized he was in the NFL. Right, and now he'll be a free agent when the season's over with over four, almost 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns and uh, just did that much better than Russell Wilson did in his last few years there. And uh, Brock Purdy for the Niners. I, j- I love the idea of Mr. Irrelevant. I think the Niners are going to go to the Super Bowl. I think San Francisco wins the NFC with the very last pick of the draft. How from cool. last year, a rookie quarterback going to make it. What, what would be uh, the, the better Hollywood story, the, cool, the cooler story? Walk on to back-to-back college champ or Mr. Irrelevant to Super Bowl winning quarterback, man. Yeah, Wouldn't I mean, that be something? I mean, uh, if you look at Bennett's story, it was almost like, I mean, just to take the, those, those thoughts to the professional game, it's like Bennett was undrafted, you know? Right. Had to go, had to go play in the XFL for a year to, in order to even, you know, earn his way back onto that team and get a scholarship. And the Geno Smith story is, is, is amazing, too. You know, I mean, a guy that was, what was he, a second-round pick out of WVU? I don't know if he was ever necessarily viewed he might have as been a, first rounder. a franchise quarterback with, with, uh, with the Jets, but that's a franchise that's been killing quarterbacks ever since Chad Pennington. Um, you remember he got punched. One of his own teammates socked yeah. him in the face, broke yeah. his jaw. Because he, what was it? He didn't pay up for a, for a, a bet that he owed, and I forget the somebody remembers out there who punched Geno Smith eight seven seven three and it wasn't Draymond Green sixty three right. But that's what he was remembered for. That's what he was remembered for was the punch, and then that was like six years ago, six years ago, and now he's got a chance to you know now he takes a team to the playoffs where you, it felt like they were rebuilding. You got to tip your hat to his work ethic. And it could have been easy for him to be a first round pick and just kind of hang it up and he'd say he made a lot and made enough money, but uh it meant something to him and uh he, he's still out there trying hard. Now now that being said, I'm not a believer in Geno Smith. I, I don't think he can win uh multiple playoff games or even one playoff game. I, I don't I do not think that they they get past the four and if they do, they'll lose the next game. But uh he he's uh, you gotta tip your hat to him to 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 what he was able to do out there in Seattle. Yeah, Smith was the 39th overall pick of the 2013 draft. Early second round, round. yep. Early second round. Um, some of the other – Dolphins, Bills, that's going to be ugly. Oh, was he the kid sitting in the green room and then he didn't make it the first round, so he had to sit there the whole first round, and then it's just like – then you don't go back the second day. It's uh, – man, that's funny how when, it, when all that – hey, the Dolphins, I, I thought – I think two of the last 10, 12, 15 years has been the best quarterback that uh, under a Nick Saban team. They don't have Tua. They don't have a chance against this Buffalo team. I think Buffalo, out of the AFC, it's either them or Kansas City. Now, I'm not going out on a limb saying that. I think most people would say that. But that Buffalo defense, I think it's Buffalo's year. I got, I got Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Uh, I, so, like the, I like the Chargers defense, but mm-hmm. I think Buffalo is 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 head and shoulders uh, better. But, of course, there's – I mean, there. did you see that you could have the Bills – if the Bills and the, uh, and the um, Chiefs – meet in the AFC Championship game, then that would be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. 
because of the you know Demar Hamlin uh, situation and that game didn't get played. Uh, Kansas City, it's weird. Kansas City gets the top overall seed, but wouldn't get a home game if they were to play against the Bills. So I just wonder what that would look like. I don't know if there's ever been a a neutral site playoff game in professional football. Advantage American sports fans. You, you get to go into an air-conditioned, uh, controlled and, and climate, and, and everybody's going to get to play fast. Buffalo or Kansas City, uh, what, when would they be playing? The first week of February, last week of January? Yeah. Weather's probably, I mean, advantage sports fans for that. Now, I, I don't like, I think Kansas City should get to host. Uh, Ad, advantage sports fans, you know, I mean, national sports fans, yeah. but no advantage to either either team in that. And that's why you're doing that. But, man, I mean, I love the idea of Buffalo in early February hosting a game with three feet of snow outside the stadium and, bare-chested men jumping on card tables and and, and chugging fireball and, and natty light all at the same time. I guess you can do that in Atlanta, too, but it's not the same without the snow. So, it's a, and I mean, I've been, I mean, home field advantage is supposed to mean something in these playoff games. They don't always. It doesn't always. But that's part of the fun of those games, you know. And it, it kind of makes me wonder about, you know, there's this conversation in, in, uh, in for the future of the college football playoff, Matt, about, Neutral site games using the bowl system for the entirety of the playoff or what they're going to be doing, at least for the first two years once this new system is implemented. And then they've got to figure out a new contract for 2026. But in 24, for the 24 season, the first round of the college football playoff is on campus sites. So think about that. In, and I, I guess they'll play these games in, in late December or mid-December. You know, Ann Arbor. I mean, Michigan, potentially, Ohio State, Columbus, potentially. What if Washington somehow makes it? That'd be cool. You know? Washington, all yeah. the way up there in Seattle where it might be raining. Um, you know, it's, I mean, these, do they deserve that kind of home field advantage, you know, to like just throw a team out there like, uh, like Florida? If Florida would have to travel all the way up to Ann Arbor, right? Does Michigan deserve that kind if, of home field advantage because they're a higher-seeded team? Or should all of these games be played in the smaller bowl sites? If they win their conference tournament, that should be the thing. You, you win your division. You win, just like we talked about winning your division in, in uh, NFL, you get to host a home playoff game if you win your division. And then I love the fact that the number one seed will get the highest remaining seed. So however it works out, you still don't know who you're going to play. But you have the power five. If you win your conference tournament, I believe you should be able to host the first round uh, of, of the playoff. You know, and, and that, that is one reason why I really like what they've done with, with how this 12-team this field is going to be laid out. You don't get a bye right. unless you won your conference championship. You can get in, but you don't get a bye. So in that case, I mean, TCU... Uh, would have had to play a first round. They game. might have had to play Bama first or something, you know, because they wouldn't have got a bye. They lost. Yeah, Kansas State would have got in. That Ohio would have been. State. That would have took somebody out. Yeah, Ohio State. I mean, out of the four teams that were in the playoff this year, two of them would have been. You know, I don't know. If they would have been home or they'd have been on the road, but they wouldn't have been. They wouldn't have gotten that first round bye. So I do. I really like in the NFL. Yes, you have divisions for a reason. Uh, why does Why does Tampa? get to host Dallas, you know, with a, with a losing record. Well, they won their division. You play everybody in that division twice, so that's going to mean something. Until they do away with divisions, this is how it's going to be. Uh, and, and, in, and in college football, what's the point of the conference championship games 
other than a whole bunch of cash going to the conference and to ESPN or whomever is, is televising it. What's the point of having these conference championship games unless the winner doesn't actually like get something for it? And really, when it comes down to it, you can say the exact same thing about the college basketball tournaments, which are useless in a lot of cases, totally useless. They're fun to watch. They're good tournaments. They're totally useless. SEC baseball tournament, same thing. Totally useless. We're, we're playing it to sell tickets and put the games on television. Uh, they, they, you know, it matters that you're a league champion. Sure, you get a ring, you get a banner and all of that. doesn't really mean very much about what happens with your seeding in the tournament. Not at all. All right, let's break here on halftime. 877-377-6963 to get with us. Got a lot of text to get to. We've had a lot of callers today, and we appreciate that, and we'll come right back. Dirty old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying Now my girl, you're so young and pretty And one thing I know is true You've been dead before your time is due I know Stop by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith at 9390 Rogers Avenue and check out their full selection of Tommy Bahama spirits. Get whisked away to Island Paradise with excellence you can taste. Eastside Liquor carries Tommy Bahama Island Gin, Rye Whiskey, Bourbon Whiskey, Rum, and Tommy Bahama Vodkas, Mango, Cucumber, and Neutral. Get by Eastside Liquor today and try the multiple award-winning Tommy Bahama spirits. Oh man, there's I mean there's there's two ways to look at things. There's the way you want things to be, there's the way things are. Hognachus texted in conference championship games should go away with the expanded playoff. Good luck convincing the conferences to do that. Because it's not gonna happen. It's too much money. It should be your automatic bid into the playoffs. Like it's a chance for Kansas State, it's a chance for, you know, in that Big Ten region, whoever was playing Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State that's not very good. You know, was it Illinois this year or Purdue? It's a chance for a team like that to get in that wouldn't get in. So I don't think there's any way these conference championship games are gonna go away. I mean the divisions are going away. I think have we announced that yet in the SEC or is that just like the going understanding that it's gonna go away? What you're gonna end up with is First and second place playing like, each other. You're, so, yeah, so to be not. like the Big Ten, so it won't matter anymore. Then, right. So then year, you are think, right. I think, yeah, I think this year would have been like Michigan versus Ohio State all over again. You would have seen that two weeks in a row. Well, then you're just it doesn't even. Yeah, that's wild. I think in that case too. I mean, the SEC would have been the Tennessee, Tennessee, and LSU. They had this. I don't have the standings in front of me, but I mean, you very well could have ended up with uh, Georgia versus Tennessee, right? So. I mean, it's not going to end up with this with like the 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 underdog necessarily. Like you would have had the there is no East Division champion that that uh, or I'm sorry, there is no West Division champion in the Big Ten that could have a lick of a chance against a good Michigan or Ohio State team. And there's going to be a string of probably conference championship games of the Big Ten that are Ohio State versus Michigan. Once you get to that, and again, you want you want things a certain way. This goes to the idea of also the, uh, the automatic ball strike zone. 
You want things a certain way. You want the strike zone to be called consistently by human beings, but it isn't. It, it rarely is. And we can have all of these thoughts about the game's been fine for 120 years without computers running the strike zone. And I understand all of that. The way it is, just watch how this automatic strike zone has crept through the minor leagues. It started in an independent league that was sort of affiliated as an experimental league, uh, the Atlantic League. That's not an affiliated league. That's where it started. Then they had it bubble up through single A. Then they had it, you know, some AAA teams had it last year. Now all AAA teams are having it. You know what that means? It's on the way to the majors, folks. You complain about it? Sure, I get it. It's happening. There's the way you want things, and then there's the way things are going to be. That's what it's going to be. It's the same with these conference championship games. Do they really mean all that much when the SEC is two teams that are going, you know, I mean, come on. Two SEC teams that are playing for an SEC championship. Either one of them is going to go to a playoff. That's that involves what, yeah. two, two, It's just where you seated. Right. So that championship game should mean something other than just the banner, other than just the ring. It should mean Yeah, you get a buy because of that. My gosh, I mean, could you imagine what that means to these players? An extra week that they don't have to play and they can prepare and let everybody else beat the snot out of each other? I think that means something. Uh, Let's see. USC break in, be that Big Ten championship game sometime too. Yeah, maybe USC might make it in there at some point. I don't know. I'm I'm just seeing for a while now in the Big Ten, it's been... It's been Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, they would have a string of conference championship games that they'd have been playing against each other for now. And maybe that's good for the sport, you know, more rivalry games like that. Sure. Sure. Well, so do so Michigan, Ohio, Michigan, Ohio State, you know, they play the last week of the season every year. And then they'd be playing a game to see if, uh, you know, they're going to be playing each other again the next week. And then they could be meeting in the college football playoff. You know, it's uh, things could be. Be getting crazy. Would you like to see them move some games around? You know how they had the Arkansas LSU game used to be the last, on the Thanksgiving day. Could you see Michigan Ohio State ever moving that game back to a different day? Because as a player, we we talked about this in the NFL. You're like, well, uh, Tampa Bay beat Dallas week one. So and so beat this team week three. Now they're in the, they're in their first week matchup in the playoffs. Do you want to? Reg- would you rather play them the first month of the year, or would you rather play them right at the end and then have to play them again two weeks later? Yeah. Well, it's like. Um Oh, the Red River rivalry is not a last week rivalry. It's the biggest game on those two teams' schedule. I mean, insert joke about neither team is very good, sure. But, I mean, that why are they both coming into the SEC? You know, because they're kind of attached at the hip with that football game. Um, you know, Tennessee and Alabama is a rivalry. Heck, I mean, we saw a big upset this year. Uh, that's not the last week of the seat course Alabama-Auburn is. Um, you know, for the basketball tournaments, too, like the, the importance of those tournaments just became lessened and lessened and lessened with each expansion of the NCAA tournament. And what are you at now? 68 teams? 68 teams. I mean, there are some teams that get hot. What was it? The 1999 Razorback Club that uh, probably wouldn't have made the tournament if they didn't win four games in four days? That's rare. That's rare. And if you're going to expand, they want to expand the basketball tournament again. I don't think you're going to, like, multiply it by two. But you probably, you know, allow in, I don't know how many teams, but maybe at some point you make the conference championship games mean more than just the automatic bid. 
you know, because if it's like, uh, let's just say it's Alabama versus Tennessee. And right now those are the two teams that have separated themselves in the SEC. They look like they're the best teams in the league. Either one of those two teams, uh, if they're playing in a conference championship game, they're both getting a rather high seed. Are they really playing for, all right, Alabama wins, they'll get a one seed, and if Tennessee wins, they'll get a one seed. You know, Alabama very well could end up losing a conference championship game being a number one seed anyway. So what did that game matter? It didn't. It just mattered for another, you know, win in the win column, a banner to raise, a ring for the players and the coaches. Oh, and a, and a bonus for the coach too because those things get, you know, thrown into contracts as well. But it's these, you know, Big East tournament, Big Ten tournament, SEC tournament. A lot of these tournaments don't really mean very much. They're fun to watch. They're fun to, you know, go watch and, and be a part of. And it's content for the networks. But in the grand scheme of it, I don't really see it meaning all that. Same with the baseball tournaments, too. Exact same with the baseball tournaments. How many times do you see a team win the SEC baseball tournament and then go nowhere in, in, the reg, in, in, in the main tournament? I mean, there's been teams that win the whole thing in the SEC and go on to play for the national championship. They would much, I mean, you know where you, where you sit on this. 2021 Arkansas, SEC champions, first time ever. It was wonderful. It was great. Not Omaha. So it wasn't, you know, wasn't the Didn't feel fulfilled in that yeah. way. Yeah, so maybe make the baseball tournament mean something. I feel like buys, if we're doing buys in the football playoff, you're going to need to, in the basketball tournament, and I don't know if they're going to expand the baseball tournament. They might change the way it's constructed from instead of doing the four-team regional, uh, you know, you end up just with three-game series throughout the tournament. Um, But, you know, I think a buy in the basketball tournament if you're going to add another, oh, just throwing a number out there, 12 teams or whatever, give a conference champion a buy. Make it mean something. Make it mean something. Otherwise, I don't know why we play these things. 877-377-6963 for thoughts on that. All right, it's 35 days until Arkansas baseball opens up the 2023 college season against the Longhorns. Um, here's one thing I know. Bobby Warnes is about to have his last year as a, quote, volunteer assistant. It's the stupidest title in the history of coaching titles. Volunteer assistant. You guys have been volunteers. I think Bobby's been a volunteer for three years. <laughs> um, they're finally going to get paid. There's now going to be a third paid assistant in college baseball and college softball. So, I mean, that's, that's fantastic news on a personal level because I know Bobby busts his ass to keep this, you know, help keep this program where it is. He's a great recruiter. He uh, is, is really on the level with the players, and I think he means a lot to the program. The fact that Arkansas will be able to pay him a real salary means that he's, he's, he's going to stick around a little bit longer. And I know that people have come after him. Other teams have come after him, pro teams too. This gives him the chance to really – you know, not worry about the money necessarily because Arkansas baseball has the kind of money to pay a coach like that. Uh, one thing that I don't know, I don't know how many games Dave Van Horn is going to get ejected from this year. In fact, I would say the going theory is zero. The going theory is zero because there are no more arguments. There are arguments when it comes to the strike zone. And this is one aspect of the conversation of the strike zone 
that we've had in front of us the last year for our home games, Bubba has the uh, has TrackMan in front of him. So, and I mean, I would I would like to think that TrackMan is one hundred percent accurate. If you ever go to a, a game at Bomb and you see that you know that uh, square that is hanging above the first level, right right underneath where the press box is located on the ledge and it's facing home plate, that's TrackMan, and that's where you're getting. Uh, that's where you're getting miles per hour from the pitcher that goes on the video board. But that's also where all the analytics come from that both teams get to use. You know, your, uh, your velocity, your, your uh, spin rate on whatever is you're throwing, how high the ball was hit, how hard it was hit off the bat, all of that kind of stuff. You also get a visual interpretation of the strike zone. And keep in mind, like the strike zone I think we see on, on TrackMan doesn't necessarily keep itself to the idea of the height of the hitter. Uh, that's the thing that makes this so different, is that every batter has a different strike zone. Uh, so therefore, the strike zone does change batter to batter. Now, I know the zone is supposed to be... Um, it's, it's funny when you look at it, when the way it's written too, Matt, because it's written in the rule book that the top of the strike zone is the midpoint between the top of the pants... And the armpit. So it's essentially kind of like right, kind of in the middle of your chest, a little bit higher up. Knowing that, would you walk into the batter's box with your pants hiked all the way up to your nipples? Absolutely. That's what I said. We're going to have the Jeff Bagwell stance. And, and by the way, 35 days, best athlete that I know of. Uh, Kevin Durant was 35 for Oklahoma City. Now he's seven with the Nets. I think Joe Morgan might have been 35. Was he? Who, who's some of the best? 30? Justin Verlander was 35 with the Astros. Uh, I know we were on 37, and man, that was How a. Do you remember all of the. I can't remember people's uniform well, numbers I, all the time. I, I remember KD for sure, but uh, they. Uh, he's. I, want, I, got, I, I do want to ask you. So if you wear it, you got it. To me, when you have a number, it kind of. If you change a number in four years, and I don't know that it really counts. You know, you kind of have. If you're that, if you're that good, you got to ha- kind of stay in that same number. I got a number for you. It's 877-377-6963. We'll take your calls. We'll read your texts. And we are into the home stretch of the golden hour. Oh, smell that. It's the weekend. It's approaching. And we'll be right back. Get by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith today and pick up a four-pack of the new Crown Royal Cocktails. Available in whiskey and cola, peach brewed tea, green apple, and now whiskey lemonade. Try some today. Now, back to the podcast.
to halftime with Phil Elson and Matt Jones. Got a question or comment for the guys? Give them a call or send them a text at 877-377-6963. Let's get back to the show with the voice of Arkansas Razorback baseball, Phil Elson, and Razorback football legend, Matt Jones. You know, guys, I hadn't even realized it until right now. My birthday is January the 14th, and it's a Saturday this year. And what does it mean today? Anybody freaked out about Friday the 13th? Does anybody care about that? Because I know some people that won't leave the house on a uh, on a Friday the 13th. Oh, it's Friday. The, I didn't even know it was the 13th until you just said it. Now you just ruined my whole day for me, man. Are you freaked out by oh, this, Oh, my goodness. No, I, I've never, no. Just about <laughs> like you with January 1. It's just another day. October also has a Friday the 13th this year. Is that allowed to freak you out? The month that has Halloween with, you know, I mean, what's one of the greater series of uh, horror flicks or Friday the 13th? What about when we get into October? Those are my favorite. I like, to, I like to binge watch all of them. All at once? In the same day? No, no, no. Just over the, uh, the course. Halloween's always scary. Talking about Halloween, you know, over the course of the month. Yeah, if you look at you the guys, 31 in the mirror. But if I had to watch one today, I would pick uh, part three. Do you guys know, um, was that the one with Corey Feldman? Um, Corey Feldman, no. This was the one that was in 3D, and it was the first time that Jason puts on the hockey mask. Because the first Crazy. one, remember, it's his mother. The second one, he's wearing a bag over his head. Don't third, ruin it for oh, people, sorry. Maddie. I've Come never on seen now. a spoiler, single one spoiler of them. Alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. I think I think the statute of limitations is out. We can, uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. The uh, the gopher causes the ball to go into the cup at the end of Caddyshack too. How do you feel about that? <laughs> but I just ruin that for anybody. If I kill all the gophers, then who's going to play? <laughs> uh, do you know the name of the fear? Uh, the people, the phobia for uh, for the fear of the number thirteen. Uh, that's a Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon movie. Hmm. That is a good one, though. Yeah. Triskaidekaphobia. That was right on the tip of my Yeah, I was thinking Tristan Thompson for some reason, (laughs) but I just couldn't get it out. I remember the movie... uh, That's what he says. Arachnophobia. Oh, with uh, Jeff Daniels? Do they come out of the sink? The spiders come out of the sink going up the way? Yeah, I remember that. I think they're remaking The woman in the shower? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't... Yeah, so weird. Matt texted us in. You got an interesting nickname there, Matt. Says Friday the 13th is his lucky day. Black cats are good luck. (laughs) Well, I'll walk. I got a white cat, so I've got the opposite then. Get away from me, cat. Yeah. You knocked over my coffee yesterday. B.E. must be in. I mean, most of you folks who tell me that there's an announcer jinx, that anytime I say that so-and-so has hit 10 free throws in a row, and then, you, and then you tweet me to death about it, or you text me about it, you can't tell me that you don't also believe in, in having, and being afraid of freaky things happening on Friday the 13th. It's the same thing. There is no announcer jinx, and that's why I don't. You know, Friday the Thirteenth doesn't doesn't freak me out. Be like you're the one. Be's texting me right now about this. He says Friday the Thirteenth is real. Okay, good, because that's more consistent with exactly the texts that you've been sending us for the last four and a half years. Jamie Lee Curtis is what I think of Friday. Is she in Halloween? She was in no, Halloween, nah, yeah. dang it. Now, Kevin Bacon was in, uh, I think it was the second uh, Friday the 13th movie. As well he should be. He gets a, uh, I believe it's a rake right through his stomach. Nice. I'm just looking through uh, 
weird things are. We we do have while you're looking. We got uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona on Sunday for the Spanish Supercopa, which I will be watching that game. Uh, that's uh, the two best teams in La Liga, which would be like uh, your uh, Alabama or your Georgia Tennessee game. You know, like it's the two best teams uh, going at it. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. So get a load of some of these things that happened on Friday the 13th. Tupac Shakur died on Friday the 13th. Allegedly. I saw, I saw his really hologram performing at the last Coachella. Uh, they've, got, um, they've got evidence of a 13-year-old boy in Great Britain who was struck by lightning on Friday the 13th at military time 1313. That's too Ooh. weird to be a coincidence. That is way too weird to be true. What? I need to get into some of the murders that happened on uh, Friday the 13th because that's some creepy stuff. Oh, do you remember when that uh, giant cruise ship ran aground off the coast of Italy? Mm-mm. The Costa Concordia? That happened on a January Friday the 13th. So we've got an anniversary. That was 11 years ago today. 32 people died in that. Kansas experienced record-breaking floods uh, on Friday the 13th. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a little something to this. I mean, ho- hotels across the country must think there's something real about it because no building they ever has count. a 13th thir- floor. They miscount. never a 13th floor. You, you would think they'd learn how to count by yeah. now. Yeah, it's like, who, who, yeah, who did y'all's work? The hotel, my kids and I stayed in in New Orleans. Like, if you're not going to have a 13th, I don't imagine any hotel or any building anywhere around the French Quarter or in the city of New Orleans has a 13th floor. No way. we got a couple of callers. Let's go to Justin in Clarksville. Hi, Justin. How you doing? Hello. Uh, well, first I'll start with on October 13th of 1307, King Philip of France, he ordered the execution of, of a massive amount of Knights Templars in the country of France. Because no, that's why the, that's why we're all supposed to be afraid of it, right? It. That was the whole. That, that was the impetus to this. That's kind of the beginning of it all, from what I understand. Um, so yeah, but I've always preferred the Halloween franchise over the Friday the Thirteenth franchise myself personally. Um, you know, for some reason. But anyway, I was going to call about a sporting event that's happening in our area several months down the road that I'm excited about. A lot of people don't have a negative opinion of it. But I'm excited about the live golf event that's coming to Tulsa and Bank. You know, a lot of people dog the dog, dog getting all of where the money's coming from. But you know, those guys are wearing Nike swooshes on their hats that are probably sewed on by a 13 year old in Thailand making 11 cents an hour. So I don't know that they have room to talk. But I'm excited about it. I'm ready to go watch some major, some prior former major champions playing in that, and looking forward to it. So. I was gonna see what uh, y'all guys' handicap was. Who's year. the Who's the best couple golf t- players on the Live Golf Tour? That is is Fowler, Ricky Fowler on there? Phil, like is um uh, is the Fowler's Cameron not, Smith on there? Uh, Cam, uh, Cam Smith that won the uh, the Open Championship last year is on it. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Bill yeah. Nicholson, Brooks, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson. So you got some talent yeah, got, on there. That's yeah, I didn't know. Some, it, yeah, there's some names. So yeah, I'm excited about it. So Justin, you want uh, Matt? He wanted to know your your handicap. Justin, my handicap is I don't play enough golf to have one. Yeah, I mean I, I can break ninety. Yeah, I'm a thirteen, twelve handicap right now. Probably I'm I'm not very good. My handicap in He's golf like, are, are the chicken or chicken wings at Top Golf. Uh, that got me out of my swing when I took the kids there last week. 
Tom Golf's awesome, man. Great, probably the greatest thing Callaway ever did, probably, buying into that. So. Anyways, thank y'all guys. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. It's good to hear from you. Cody's up next. Hey, Cody, happy Friday the 13th. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, guys. How have y'all been? It's been a while. Dude. Sorry I couldn't meet up with you in Columbia, man. I was interesting. We were both there at the same time. Right, right. It's all good. It's all good. Hey, um, and then the Ladybacks, didn't they end up winning pretty convincingly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took yeah, Mizzou to the woodshed. It was beautiful. That's what matters. That's all that matters. Hey, uh, my handicap probably be well over 100 most times I golf. If I get a clean drive, I'm pretty happy. That's my golf game, you know? The truth, though, Other Cody, is that, like I wouldn't even know how to answer that question. I would have been like, oh, my handicap would be a uh, a 329-er or something. I don't know. After, after, yeah. after 18, this is all you got to do. You don't even got to say it anymore. Did I hear a niner in there? Right. Are you calling from good. a walkie-talkie? <laughs> it's like saving Silverman when every time he says something, he's like, shh. You know what I mean? You don't have to do the shh at the end. It automatically does it for you. Right. Um, but hey, I wanted to run this by y'all real quick. Uh, Matt, especially, could we move Black to the to like on the zone defenses that we're facing? Could we move Anthony Black to the middle where Council is just for that threat to really penetrate to the basket and then kick out with better looks or to get more people to absorb towards him? I understand he's really important at the point guard position, but if the zone is that big of a problem, we've got to get a playmaker there. Now, I understand Ricky Council can shoot a good mid-range or Devo, but we need somebody who's going to be smart with their passing but also be able to penetrate the defense in an effective way. And I just I want to see what you think about that, man. Maybe I'm intrigued maybe. by this thought because, I mean, there's I mean six-foot-seven point guard. Uh, I'm intrigued by that idea. Matt, what do you think? The thing is, who who are we gonna who are we gonna keep out top to to be the ball handler? You know, I don't necessarily tr- trust Devo to be that guy all the time. I think he's capable, and, and maybe you can have some plays where you are designed to get him. It's just I I I really dislike keeping our best ball handler when you're moving him away. What do you you know? Yeah. So you're gonna have Ricky Council and Devo, but what you're saying, you know what? Yes, Anthony Black would probably be the best player there because he can see over the defense. He's athletic enough. Mm-hmm. He has that little floater. Like it would be a a great move. You kind of gotta uh, work yourself into it. I you guess is Nick what I'm Smith. saying. Yeah, yeah, you do. You need Nick, you need Nick Smith. I mean, we're one player away, and that's what's so aggravating for fans. And I'd like to see Jordan Walsh do that a little fun. bit. What do you think about Jordan Walsh playing that high post role a little bit? He doesn't have the ball handling ability to get He's the not going to dribble. To, yeah. him to open up. And then his passing is decent. But Anthony Black just checks all the boxes with the weakness our zone offense faces on a zone defense. And he's not hitting the three. Back. You might be you might be onto something. He's he's not shooting the three that well, so kind of move him move yes, him inside, yeah. Yes, sir. Matty T, take care too, but you guys have a good weekend. All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks Cody. very much, Cody. It's good to you. good to Bye. hear from you. Uh, here was some other things happen on Friday. We got to try Phil to, to his to his point. We're gonna have to try. So, you know, we, we can't just keep doing what's. We can't just keep doing the same thing if we're taking L's. So we're gonna have to try to figure something out to get some points on the board. Well, we talk about the idea to bust a zone. Sometimes might not always be the outside shot. But you got to get it to the high post. To me, Black looks like he might be able to. He's our best to player. Do that at I, time. I mean, I, I honestly think he's the best player on the floor most nights. Like I, I don't see ten other players around the country better than him. Like he's a he's a no brainer uh, lottery pick. Stock market had a mini crash Friday the thirteenth in nineteen eighty nine. You know the movie Alive with the uh, where the plane crash where they eat each other. Yeah, Uruguayan flight five seventy one. 
October, Friday the 13th. Maybe there's something to this. And the greatest show in halftime history occurred on January, <laughs> Friday the 13th, 2023. We'll wrap things up after this. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith has whip shots. Whip shots from Cardi B is vodka infused whipped cream in flavors like vanilla, caramel, mocha, and peppermint. With 10% alcohol content, these whipped cream shots will make any night a celebration. And they're great on pumpkin pie. Stop by Eastside Liquor today and pick up a can of whip shots at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. in Northwest Arkansas, 95.3 in Fort Smith in the River Valley, 96.3 in Hot Springs in Central Arkansas, 104.3 in Harrison and Mountain Home, and everywhere on HitThatLine.com. Now back to the hosts, here's Phil Elson and Matt Jones. Things to remind you about as we bid you adieu for the week. Uh, get your bet Sarah's and app. They have all kinds of really cool Wild card specials for NFL playoffs this weekend. For instance, uh, plus 250 money line, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, and Saquon Barkley combining for 250 rushing yards. Uh, plus 750, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, one interception each. I mean, there's a there's dozens of these uh, special prop bets on Bet Sarazen's app for all the NFL playoff games this weekend. Of course, we got the college basketball games, NBA play, NBA basketball, NHL, whatever. It's all at Bet Sarazen on the Apple App Store or Google Play or anywhere on the web browser at betsarazen.com. Uh, simple uh, to use Bet Sarazen. I love the app. It works great. It's also really easy to use on betsarazen.com. And uh, if you want to put money down on games locally, have that app. Vegas odds are one thing, but they can't operate inside our state due to state laws. So for the most accurate, up-to-date sports wagering info, have the Bet Sarazen app on your phone. All right. This will be my last day at age 45. That means next week I'm a heck of a lot wiser, a lot smarter, a lot richer. I think 46 will be really, really good. It's going to be good to you. Yeah. And, and 45 is what you always try to shoot under on the front nine. At your golf course, so when you're setting your set, just trying to just trying to make a break a Phil Elson. That's it. <laughs> that works for me. Uh, we'll have the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast coming out soon. Maddie's always on top of that. Ruskin and Zach standing by to take you from two until seven. And don't forget tomorrow it's twelve thirty for the Learfield pregame with Chuck and Zim, and then the one o'clock tip at Memorial Gymnasium in Vanderbilt. 
And uh, Ty and Derek will take you for Hog Reaction later on in the afternoon. Have a great weekend. I appreciate all your birthday texts. Thank you so much for all of that. For Matt Jones, for Matt Travis, I'm Phil. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.